Yonk, a Godzilla movie marathon where we're stopping through Godzilla's filmography. I'm Derek, and I've seen all the Godzilla movies. And I'm Doug, and I've seen five Godzilla movies. And we are talking about the third ever Godzilla movie. (laughs) The first time Godzilla was in color. The first big shift in tone for the show era. The first time Godzilla was pitted against a pre-existing kaiju and... I believe to date the most attended Godzilla movie uh, that Japan produced ever, the very popular King Kong versus Godzilla, <laughs> also known as Kingu Kongu Tai Gojira in Japanese, and no other weird English titles beyond that, which is nice because you could never improve on King Kong versus Godzilla. <laughs> it is very straightforward. Um, I will curse the current like Godzilla versus Kong, Godzilla X Kong uh-huh. in the zeitgeist because hard you to cannot search, search King Kong versus Godzilla without other qualifiers. <laughs> it without getting sucks. very modern stuff. It's annoying because it's specifically a different title. Yeah. Godzilla versus Kong and King Kong versus Godzilla. Two distinct titles. Yeah. It's like similar words. But Google the should be able to figure it out. Google should be able to figure it out. Yeah, it probably is some sponsorship bullshit. Like they prob- <laughs> probably, uh, yeah. uh, whoever uh, legendary probably pays the money to make sure that the <laughs> the new movie gets the gets the top mm-hmm. spot. Uh, this movie, this is the one, however, that was released in Japan on August eleventh, nineteen sixty two. So it's not the one you saw a couple of years ago. Uh, This movie reunited the original creative team of the first Godzilla movie directed by Ishiro Honda, produced by Tomoyuki Tanaka, special effects by Eiji Tsuburaya, and score by Akira Ifukube, the only major new guy in the sort of major collection of uh, main creators was the screenwriter Shiniki Sekizawa. Um, We'll probably maybe talk about him and his experiences maybe a little bit more for the next movie we're doing, because Mm -hmm. he actually wrote the solo Mothra movie right before he did this Mm. but he has experience in lots of other toku projects before and after uh, including working with godzilla and ishiro honda a lot so makes sense to be part of this uh this collection he also worked very extensively in television and pop music before this movie which i think makes a lot of sense when you know the setting of this movie and a lot of the themes of it Mm -hmm. but tag yeah overall thoughts on king kong versus godzilla I feel like to have this discussion, I have to like start with three things. There's like three things I think will sort of color (laughs) at least my contributions to this conversation. One, I watched King Kong 33 before this, which Mm. in some ways was a really great idea and in other ways was a really bad idea. Mm, (laughs) I'll talk about why. (laughs) Sure, sure, sure. Um, Two, uh, you describe this movie as fun as shit. And I feel like I will co-sign that for maybe like a third to a half of this movie. Okay. And the third thing is we've reached a pivotal moment in Skriank and my life where we are treading for the first time into like the silly zone of Godzilla. Uh-huh. So everyone's going to get to witness here me like emerging from a cocoon into <laughs> sort of like a new world. And it might be a little painful, uh, but ultimately it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah. I think it's fair. I think that this movie is interesting because it is, it 
it, I do think that it is sort of like, even though it's it's very popular and beloved for being King Kong fights Godzilla, like obviously, right. like obviously that's going to be, a, and that like, shit a, is fun as shit. Yeah, makes sense. Um, I do think in a lot of ways, I think maybe. M- I feel like it's surprising to me sometimes when I've, all the stuff that I read about this movie, it feels surprising that it's not talked about more as like a transition movie mm-hmm. because I do because th- because it is obviously, but I think in that it is a weird middle ground between mm-hmm. trying to be kind of smart and and embracing the silliness and i think it like succeeds in some ways and fails in other ways i think this is like a very like flawed movie ultimately i i but it's very very fascinating for all the different things in different directions it's trying to do absolutely there is nothing about this movie i have like meh feelings about yeah feeling strong right right Um, right, and I, i i i'm so glad you said the transition like it itself is a transition movie because i do think that it wasn't you didn't give me any information about this movie going in. You didn't tell me this was a transition into silly. You didn't tell me that it was transitional at all or that it was serious yeah. or whatever. You like you didn't give me any heads up. Yeah, I didn't give you and any so, content warnings about the brown face either. That's, I mean, that's, <laughs> it is, I, I watched, not that, well, we'll talk about King Kong. Oh, well. <laughs> it's very we different. Have, They're to, different, we'll different things, yeah. That's a whole conversation. Yeah. Um, but... Um, it, it, it was interesting and I, I'm just going to be like fully truthful about my journey watching this movie. It like wasn't clear to me because it exists sort of like that transition exists within the movie itself. It's like almost <laughs> it kind of does. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think I realized that we had gotten into this territory until like pretty well into the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just was feeling like this weird discord, especially cause it was after all the Faroe Island, like wildly racist shit. And so I was like, I think in the wrong headspace. And I was like, I need to like stop and I need to like process and I need to like come back with the right mindset. So I did actually watch this in two settings, but I overlapped a lot of it so that I would go. So I went back to watch certain things with like the new mindset. So um, it was an interesting sort of thing to, to sort of like hit me. You know what I mean? Cause I wasn't really expecting it, even though if, if someone had really pushed, I probably could have guessed that King Kong versus Godzilla is like the right place mm-hmm. to start injecting some of the like lightheartedness and sort of, yeah. um, I, I don't want to keep saying silly because I feel like people will think that I'm, I'm deriding it for that and I'm not, mm. uh, but like there's a lightheartedness to it and there's well, sort of like a, a high energy that is not necessarily meant to be like thought provoking or thoughtful. It's, it's like just pure fun. Like look at these two, two guys yeah. going at it, you know? Yeah, intentionally all ages, family friendly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kid, you know, uh, kids can watch it and not be horrified by the death and destruction they're right. witnessing. You know, um, and and it probably is surprising for you that like it's ha- that it just happens so kind of abruptly in the third movie ever. Genuinely surprised. Genuinely sure, surprised. Yeah. I was really shocked, and and I I know that this was what eight years, seven years, seven um, years after, after Godzilla raids again. The previous, and I'm I'm sure you'll talk about that. But yeah, I just uh, I yeah, it was I was really surprised. Like I was about as surprised that this sort of shift in tone happened this quickly as I was Angiris appearing in the second movie as like a monster versus monster situation, you know? So -hmm. like the franchise is kind of like transforming very quickly, like way quicker than I would have thought knowing how many there are. Um, But it's like cool to see. Um, And to assure everybody, 
the silly stuff is my favorite stuff. Like, let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's it's transforming quickly in the context of the number of movies that it is. Yeah. But if you consider it was like Godzilla comes out in 54, they quickly churn out raids again in 55. Yes. And then it basically is put on ice for almost an entire decade. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a very long time before yeah. this movie comes out. You know, you know, like, Oh, totally. Like, I, and we, I think we talked about that even with, um, with, uh, raids again, like it was such a short period of time, but like they weren't making this expecting to make a bazillion movies. Like I'm, right. I'm examining it from like big picture, which yeah. is a stupid way to kind of examine it for that reason. Right. Uh, yeah. like for the progression and speed of it, but yeah, absolutely. Like even just the literal time in between, um, it was, uh, did you say it was on ice? Was that, did you say that or did I just, no, I said that and it didn't even, the pun, pun was not even intended. <laughs> I went right past it and it just hit me. <laughs> but I mean, it, it, I went right past it too. I didn't even realize that I made that pun. I'm so glad you caught that because I would have been really mad listening back and being like, I that was actually pretty fucking brilliant on me and I didn't even catch that I did it. Total yeah. accident. I'm just yeah. that great. But yeah, it's 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 fascinating. It's I think I think in 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 most ways, I'm like glad that we dipped into like mm-hmm. some other eras first um, because I think it was nice to sort of get a big picture of like one side or one mm-hmm. particular tone that Godzilla can be before like completely shifting into a different tone. Uh, yeah. Tone. Well, yeah, I think it, you know, if you really were marathoning these like right back to back to back, you go from raids again to this. I think it is, a, it is even more abrupt shift than, you know, checking in with Godzilla 2000, which is, you know, head empty fun action movie like you can you know like I, but even i think though, like sincerely so yeah right yeah right i think yeah. it's like an earnest fun sci-fi action movie like i don't think it is mm-hmm. uh i i wouldn't call anything in that particularly silly yeah no sure 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 yeah 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 i mean this movie it's it's very interesting mm-hmm. um i think context for it is helpful as usual the production i have i have so many more notes for this movie than i think i had for like any other one other than the first one um i'll try to i want to zoom through some of it because some is more interesting than other stuff but it's like the story behind this movie i think is really bizarre but it then also i think does make it make some sense at the same time (laughs) um it did originally like originally it started with one of the OGs who worked on the 1933 King Kong, Willis O'Brien, he was the like very prolific chief animator, did all a lot of like all the innovative stop motion effects of King Kong, as well as like the Lost World and Mighty Joe Young, like mm-hmm. very prolific guy. Um, I think he sort of kind of infamously like had a lot of t- projects that would just fall through in his career. There's a quote from um, one of the books I was reading that I'll, I think it was the uh, David Callett book that I'll, I'll cite in the show notes. Um, but there's like a quote in there from Ray Harryhausen saying like how he survived all these disappointments. I'll never know. Like that was just like <laughs> what he was known for. Yeah. And this actually weirdly ends up being a disappointment for him because he had been pitching King Kong meets Frankenstein around 1960, mm. which is this idea he had about King Kong fighting, fighting a new giant Frankenstein monster that would be composed of a bunch of different animal parts. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. 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 So that was being pitched around RKO pictures own King Kong. um, But at that point they were more of like a distributor than a production studio. So they were like, we can't make this movie. Like even though we own King Kong. So here's this producer, John Beck, we're going to have this guy help pitch your movie idea to other studios and see what we can do. There's a whole long history of like plots changing and titles changing and ideas changing and stuff. Um, but like the long and short of it is that like studios didn't want it because 
doing the stop motion, which is what they'd want to do mm-hmm. because Willis O'Brien's a stop motion guy. Mm-hmm. It's just too expensive, and especially in 1960, it's like, why are we doing stop motion stuff? We're not going to do that. Um, so oh, it's wah, wah. yeah. <laughs> so it, it it's really challenging to get it made. Um, but what happens is that uh, this producer John Beck, who you was, see his name, did you watch the English version? No, well? I wa- I watched the Japanese version, but John Beck does stand out to me because I do think I saw that he is the producer of the of English the, version, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, his name is plastered all over the English version. Um, I will, we'll have a whole conversation about the English version. There's Great. some fun I'm stuff. I'm so there. curious. Yeah. But he basically just takes it behind um, O'Brien's back to Toho. Because wow. uh, Toho was, uh, I think, like their interest was piqued by the idea of doing a King Kong movie because they were celebrating the 30th anniversary, which like you see that banner at the beginning of the movie that's Toho's 30th anniversary. Mm-hmm. And King, you know, King Kong is like, He's a he's a known character worldwide, right? Like that was part of the inception of of Godzilla, right? Originally was yeah. King Kong, like you know, emerging in popularity, um, resurging also, in popularity, and also almost thirty years old at that point, right? So like uh, it it yeah, it totally makes sense to be like yeah, we should absolutely do this, uh, and of course Tomoyuki Tanaka, who's like. Godzilla's like biggest number one supporter, uh, uh, like number one, you know, number one dad always trying to get his son out there is sort of like, <laughs> we should do this, but we should put Godzilla in it. Yeah. Um, so what better way to celebrate our 30th anniversary <laughs> than having our, our big, big monster fight, big, big monster of Japan fighting the big monster of America. It makes total mm-hmm. sense. Um, so Beck did that behind O'Brien's back. Um, O'Brien actually tried to sue Beck for stealing the idea because he's not, he's not credited at all um, on wow. the movie we end up seeing, but he didn't have enough money. And then he ends up actually dying a few months after the movie debuts oh my gosh. and his wife attributes the, the, his death to the whole ordeal. Oh. Stressing him out to his death. So I kind of like that John back kind of a dark uh, background of it. And I mean, honestly, like a lot of the, um, American reaction to this movie being made at all. Like Marion C. Cooper, one of the co-directors of the 33 King Kong movie hated the idea. It's mm-hmm. like, you're putting a guy in a gorilla suit. This sucks. We, this, this, this blows. Um, so <laughs> I'm not surprised. That's how they reacted to it. Honestly, one of, I mean, one of the reasons that, that I say watching King Kong 33 right before this, like there's, there's two columns, right? There's like, damn, mm-hmm. this was a great idea. I'm so glad I did that. And then there's the other column, which is like, oh, I really wish I hadn't done that. One of the things in the really wish I hadn't done that is like, you watch King Kong 33 and, and the, what they pull off is like still awe inspiring. Incredible. It's like, yeah. it's the fact that it happened 30 years before the movie we're talking about right now. Mm-hmm. And it still blows my fucking mind. Yeah. You know, I, I get why they would be like, what are you doing? What are you yeah. doing with our it's, property? It's an incredible movie and it does feel, and it's a particularly because of its special effects. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, a lot of the, the kind of like the, the, the darkness and the, the sort of sympathy and empathy you have towards Kong in that movie. And then this movie, it's like a silly comedic, like, <laughs> like wrestling match with a dude in a gorilla suit. Yeah. Like I get why you would think that that's bullshit. Like I totally yeah. understand. I have a blast watching it, but I understand why you have that view. <laughs> both things can be, you, you, you yeah. can understand both things. Both things can be yeah. true. <laughs> yeah. And regardless of any of that, like super is like, fuck yes this is my dream man oh, like sure. he was so he was so excited to do this because i think we even talked about it 
you know, one of our first episodes that like he was very inspired by the special effects of the original King Kong to do what he did to just in, to invent tokusatsu as a medium. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's kind of like the holy grail of the kaiju world to be able to do King Kong anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Toho, Toho, because it was their 30th anniversary, they were like totally a proponent for like doing go for broke in terms of the spectacle. Like they were willing to pay for the rights for King Kong, which would have been pretty expensive. That's how you think. get yeah a movie like because it's you know you are getting characters from two completely different studios like that, what is that ever going to happen now you know mm-hmm. like that's like a marvel dc movie yeah. happening right like if you are a lover of kong and get to make this it's got to be like your dream you, you can tell too like you can tell that they love king kong in this movie i mm-hmm. i think regardless of how you feel about their version of King Kong. I don't think you can walk away from this movie not seeing how much love they have for King Kong. Yeah. Yeah. The other side of it is that obviously this movie is like a lot more comedic and kid friendly. And the thing is, I think that also kind of has to do with the 30th anniversary thing. Cause it's like, if we're trying to celebrate the anniversary of the studio, we want this to be as accessible as possible. So we should make it, appeal to a wider audience, make it more kid friendly. So more families can come see this fun monster movie. And also like, this is something I wasn't really aware of until I was reading about it. But I mean, we in America know Toho for like the gods being the Godzilla studio. Uh But at the time, Toho was mostly making like comedies. Like the Godzilla thing was kind of an outlier. So it's like, we we do kind of want to play it a little bit safe for this movie. If we're spending a lot of money on it, we want to make all make sure it's successful. We know how to make comedies. So we should make this more of a comedy. Well, and I mean, celebrating a 30th anniversary like i don't know that anyone's top idea is like should we have more ruminations on nuclear war and like the <laughs> effects of superpowers destroying countries and right. their you know wake yeah probably not mm-hmm. yeah and and i think what's interesting is that there's kind of like there's kind of a split here too within the people working on the movie because super is like all for like okay we'll make them more anthropomorphic we're gonna like model after wrestlers like it's it's gonna be fun to do that like i'll i'll talk a little bit about like when we talk about the individual characters and like actual godzilla and kong um Mm -hmm. because we can have very hefty conversations about how they're portrayed in this movie but like i i think like subaraya was very in favor of that um ishiro honda like probably not a surprise that like he was always very troubled by it. And there's this uh, book that came out in 2017 called Ishiro Honda, a life in film from Godzilla to Kurosawa that I was reading some excerpts from Um, and everything, all of his quotes in that book about this movie are really, really interesting. Hmm. Um, And I respect him a lot because it's like, you know, he's, he's like obviously working for Toho regularly. And I think he definitely feels a, a strong connection with Godzilla. The only reason he didn't direct raids again was just because he was already busy and they were moving right. so quickly. So like, I think that he is, he's very attached and willing to direct a Godzilla movie again, but he was still sort of like weirded out about the idea of transforming Godzilla from uh, quote, a nuclear protest monster into an outsides Ricky Dozen, who was a famous like wrestler at the time um, and literally engaging in comic wrestling antics. It It is weird. I, I think it makes perfect sense for him to feel that way. I think it is a weird thing to do. And I think, yeah. you know, it ushers in like an era. I, I, I I'm guessing based on how you've talked about it, like an era of sort of, lighthearted fun silly kind of campy like Godzilla which I think I mean if it sucked then Godzilla wouldn't still exist you know what I mean like people clearly enjoy it 
Um, but I do think it's weird when these are the only three movies you have. You're like, yeah, that was kind of weird. He w- he also was emerging from a cocoon into a new era, and it was painful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I think they, they, there's a lot of comments about him saying like, you know, kind of felt like maybe they were going too far with a lot of early drafts of the script. All the notes are sort of like make it as funny as possible. And he says, you know, to me, what happened was not acceptable. Personally, I didn't want to do it, but the company demanded it. When you have to do it, then you have to do it. I did the best I could with it. Mr. Subarai did the best, uh, did his best as well. Th- those quotes are really interesting because i i feel like i feel like that is there like i not that Uh you can know that like it's not like you can watch the movie and be like oh it tastes like they were dissatisfied like but i do think there is like i mentioned there uh, you know a sort of discord i think you can feel it at points i think that's part Mm -hmm. of what i was weird to me watching it and coming to the realization like mid-movie where we were going i think that's the feeling, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, and, and his view is just sort of like, I'm doing a job. He says, uh, when you're a director, it's your film. So you still have to do your best. So I sucked it up and worked as hard oh, as possible. Hunter. But I think, but like, you know, and I, and I think that it's, I, I feel many different ways about it because I, I agree with him. Like he, he created something so beautiful originally that I think was so important to him and I think important for the world. Mm-hmm. And then in, in this movie, it's like, He's a character for children to like root for. Mm-hmm. And I think he says too, like, because he acts more human because he's more anthropomorphized. I don't know if that's the word more <laughs> an- made more anthropomorphized. Anthropomorphized. <laughs> Thank you. Cause it's more like anthropomorphized. Like yeah. it does show off more that it's a dude in the suit. Like it becomes more obvious that it's got yeah. a suit, which for me, Latter show era Godzilla movies, like, yeah, he's obviously a guy in a suit, and that's kind of what I love about it. Mm. But when you're in this movie, when it's your first time sort of seeing that transition kind of almost out of nowhere, it is a little bit weird, and you do have to, like, adjust to it, you know? And, and, and like I said, like, Super I embraced it, and I think Honda, there's no interviews that I could find where he says anything bad about Tsuburaya. I think Tsuburaya is just sort of like, I'm a special effects guy. I'm having fucking fun with it. Honda, I think his issue was always with the studio pushing for this direction Mm -hmm. and then just sort of forcing him into a position where he just sort of like had to go with it. Um, And really, I think the, the way that Honda was able to sort of work around it was by inserting this sort of commentary, like satirical bent about what's happening in Japanese society at the time with the way that media treats like these sort of publicity stunts. And I think that like, I think he does that and I'm sure we'll get more into like the specifics of that, but I think he does that successfully enough Mm -hmm. that even though there is that like satire and there there's a particular character, especially that Uh is goofy and sort of the setup to how this all happens is like kind of funny um, I'd say like very funny, but I, I still I, didn't think that it was, you know, like it still felt very sincere despite being sort of satirical or, or being funny, you know? Yeah. So uh, like that, I think the sort of television was a conversation happening in Japan at the time. There's a story that, that, that book about Honda references. Um, and I, I don't know if Honda said that this was exactly his inspiration, but like the book draws those connections. So I'm just going to go by what the book did. Um, but basically in, in earlier, like in 1962, earlier in that year, there was this uh, wrestling match that had that Rika Dozen, that famous Japanese wrestler um, against a bunch of other challengers. Mm-hmm. And at what point one of the wrestlers bites another wrestler, like on the forehead, opening the sort of 
like really bad bloody gash that's like really violent and and reportedly supposedly two elderly viewers like were so shocked by it that they collapsed and died oh my god it sounds like one of those like fake stories i don't (laughs) don't know like it sounds like one of those like they saw the horror movie and it was so bad that they had a heart attack but like whether that was or that's a real thing that happened or not this commentary on this sort of like the the media was going so hard on doing the most outrageous stuff and the wildest like stunts to gather ratings that like it's actually like having this weird perverse impact mm-hmm. on society watching it and you know that's the same conversation that's been had a million times about any time there's any new type of media right um so it makes sense but like that's what was sort of happening at the time was very specifically television um because that was still relatively yeah. new and in Japan i think that a lot of like commentators and like and researchers are sort of like feeling like that was having an actual direct negative impact on culture at the time. And and so I think you see this, if you connect the dots, you then see in this movie, it's literally about like two big uh-huh. characters who are wrestling to the detriment of the world around them, you know, kind of, kind of, <laughs> I think that I think the biggest flaw with the satire, satire stuff is that it, it doesn't really end there. It doesn't like go that far, but I right. think that's, well, that's the idea. You know? That's as you were, I'm so glad that that was like explicitly what the commentary was like on from like directly from the creator. Right. Like it's not just interpreting it or like a scenario that like kind of works or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. um, but like he doesn't get to fully carry it out because yeah. of the, the sort of latter half of the movie doesn't really allow for that. Mm-hmm to to have the impact that it could or should have had uh yeah. if that's what you're trying to do yeah i mean because yeah because I, I think that like the more i don't know serious quote-unquote version of the movie like their actual wrestling match at the end would cause like wide-scale destruction in that, tokyo and kill people and that, like they don't even make it to tokyo so no like, yeah that honestly was sort of one of the things that hit me like it kind of hit me delayed but really hard where i was like mm-hmm. Wait a second. Like no, almost no one was really in danger for their actual fight. Like there yeah. are people in danger throughout this movie, but not because those two are fighting. Yeah. Which like it was a it's weird a realization weird. to have. Yeah, and I th- you know, and I, I think that that was probably just Toho's doing yeah. of never letting that be a thing that like why would they let that happen for their fun movie? They don't want yeah. to show to actual devastation because right. the point of this is supposed to be the fun attraction, which are things that characters in the movie up until the end are constantly commenting on the fun attraction and placing bets about who's going to win. And, uh, you know, and like the, the whole, we'll talk about it, but like the entire plot of the movie only happens because like a corporation that's sponsoring a TV network wants to like bring these two monsters, wants to have a new monster as a sponsor and then eventually bring him into fight to get like good ratings, you know? Mm-hmm. So like it all, it, the ideas totally make sense. Yeah. Um, you know, like this, this, this movie is about like the ultimate ratings grab, which is very funny because it ends up being a meta commentary on what the movie actually is in real life too. Mm-hmm. They also were sort of taking a page from Keizai Shosetsu, which are business novels that were like a popular sort of genre in the fifties and sixties in Japan that were specifically about spoofing ruthless Japanese business practices. Mm. So that I think that's the whole pharmaceutical TV station stuff yeah. is sort of riffing on that. Like the idea of like, 
why is a medicine company like yeah. being involved in this at all? And, you know, but, and, and, and when you know about like the history of television, like, you know, you watch stuff from the fifties, it's like Colgate presents the Campbell yeah. soup hour variety show, like corporate sponsorships, AKA corporations basically being in charge of the art has been around for like the entire existence of all of Hollywood and especially television. Yeah. Um, so and this movie just sort of like, more heavily highlights that in a very like comedic way yeah. of like, yeah, a fucking car- pharmaceutical company is what causes King Kong and Godzilla to fight for, for the TV ratings. It's like, you should just yeah. fucking making pills. What are you doing? I mean, that's, that's the absurd sort of funny setup that I was referencing. Like it's so ridiculous, mm-hmm. but like, it makes sense. Like you said, all the dots connect, but it's just such an absurd way for the meeting of these monsters to actually happen. You know, like, yeah, uh, there are some things I predicted that like are in the vague sort of realm of some things that happen in this movie. But in like under no circumstance could I have ever guessed the actual catalyst for these monsters meeting each other. Like, it's just so ridiculous. And I love it. I was like, I was I I thought it was so clever. (laughs) I think that that's great. Genuinely, like just that idea and like. The, the times when that really comes up deliberately and directly is like, uh, that's my favorite part of the movie. And I think yes. kind of the best part of it, it because it is sort of like, it feels honestly kind of modern in a way. Right. Like, cause we're constantly, you know, inundated with stuff where it's like, well, clearly this is just like a corporate cash grab. Yeah. And this movie is clearly a corporate cash grab yeah. and Honda's making a movie where it's like, what if characters are telling you, yeah, this is clearly a corporate cash grab. The characters yeah. are talking the same way you would mommy. I want to see Godzilla. Who do you think you, who's going to win Kong or Godzilla? Oh, there's like a Godzilla restaurants are offering especially Godzilla tie in meals and stuff. Like that's all like shit that happens in real life. And that's yeah. all del- exactly what they're saying in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. That's, that is, that is certainly part of my favorite movie anytime that stuff is really really highlighted or thick um and then the sort of like end just unabashed like like yeah. uh flight of it all i don't know that they are my, together my favorite thing i think but yeah, both I of think those the, things like as yeah. they're separate parts of what like what makes up this movie you know i love both of them yeah you know and i think it was i, I think it was just like literally just like an impossible task right like i think honda wanted to make a real movie yeah. and toho wanted to make a commercial for toho yeah. characters and and there's no way to to really make those not a little bit incongruous yeah. um and you know and, and i think like probably future movies find a better balance but this one it's sort of like it truly is like artists clashing against the corporation mm-hmm. and like honda you know i think truly in good faith was just doing working his job the best that he could as a creative under those specific guidelines and i think turned out probably like you know probably the best movie he could under those circumstances but i also i would have loved to see the alternate universe where he's doing this and actually like trying to so bad. I like it. I right. want to see it so bad. <laughs> like it doesn't even have to be like a serious dramatic movie, but I don't think it like, would have been a satire, but playing going harder on the satire right. and being able to do that. Like, I think Honda could have made such a fucking fantastic. Like this movie absolute is a banger, banger banger in terms of being fun, but I think he could have made an absolute banger in terms of being like a piece of art, satirical art. You know, I think, I think the alternate version is the banger for me, but I had fun. <laughs> Sure, sure. I think that that's. I think that that's. Um, 
fair. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and in any case, like this ends up being such a wildly successful movie that it's sort of like, okay, we can take Godzilla out, out of dormancy and just turn out movies like every every year or two and you know continue down this path because it was so wildly successful. And I imagine none of those are going to feel even remotely as weird as this one did, if not mm-hmm. not weird at all. You know what I mean? Sure. I think it really is that sort of like tension that you can feel in the movie whether you can put your finger on it or not and that sort of uh transformation that this movie is or that sort of mm-hmm. pathway that this movie is you know it the doors are open like no other movie has to carry that weight anymore it can either be right. silly or it can be serious and that's fine exactly yeah so we have many op places to go we have many places to go. <laughs> do you want to talk about like the monsters? Do you want to talk about characters? Do you want to get the brown face stuff out of the way? Like what, what feels, well, what feels I don't want to end the, a better with, place to go I don't want to end with the racism. So yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. just get out of the way. Cause I mean, that's, yeah. that's the thing you just like literally can't af- avoid when you watch this movie. Right. And I think what's weird, what's frustrating is if, I don't know if you haven't watched the movie, I guess, and you're listening to us, like, it's a King Kong movie. They go to the island that King Kong lives on. It's so part and parcel of so many King Kong stories that mm-hmm. there's, you know, quote unquote savages that live on the island. Um, and in this movie, you know, it's it's mostly Japanese actors in brown face makeup, which when you're watching the movie in HD, uh, especially, oh boy, that it's makeup so is so obvious and looks real bad. And like... <sighs> I'm, it's it's so weird because, well, there's a couple of things. There's one, uh, like, sure. a, a Reddit post, so take it with a, the biggest grain of salt ever, was postulating um, that that was sort of, like, a result that wasn't the original plan. Because um, it is it is an actual fact that, like, Toho paid a metric shit ton mm-hmm. of uh, money for the King Kong rights, and that kind of inflated the budget. And originally they were going to film the Faroe Island stuff in Sri Lanka. Um, and then they couldn't because they didn't have money to do that. So they just had to film on a set, a set. And I think um, that Reddit poster postulated, I don't know where they're getting their fucking information from, but they postulated that like, if they were filming in Sri Lanka, they probably would have hired like actual natives of Sri Lanka to play those characters on the Island. Right. And then when they, when they didn't have money to go there, they just hired Japanese actors and slapped a bunch makeup on them well and and the latter part of that latter sentence is the problem because like yeah yeah. yeah, king kong 33 like they it it, it's so interesting comparing because because um king kong versus godzilla like explicitly kind of takes some of the beats and origin parts of godzilla and like adapts it for this movie or of king kong and adapts it for this movie which is like fascinating to see so unfortunately you get sort of like the one-to-one comparison many many steps along the way and like mm-hmm. in king kong 33 those were black actors like yes they were they, they had to sort of be this savage society this like uncivilized yeah. people um but at the very least they were all actually black you know what i mean sure um and it's 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 funny's not the right word but like it's interesting unexpected maybe um king kong like it it you know as it was presented and as it talks about itself is like a beauty and the beast story, but really the legacy of that movie and what that movie kind of has become is a story on, you know, colonialism and white hubris and, and sort of the perspective of the horrible perspective of white people on black people, like at the time. And as it persists, Mm -hmm. like that's kind of what it actually represents. And that's kind of what it actually means. And sort of like, I think gives it lasting value in sort of the history of storytelling and filmmaking and stuff. Yeah. This somehow (laughs) like feels 
like worse. It's it's not. Mm. It's hard to compare. But I think yeah. because because King Kong, it's like these more complicated things, right? It's sort of like complicated, systemic sort of things that you can watch that movie and be like, yeah, but they're black actors or yeah, but like, it's not about racism. Mm -hmm. This one, like you said, it's unavoidable. You, there's no way to walk away from this and not know that those are Japanese people painted Brown and they didn't have to do it. Like most of this movie takes place in like big cities. They literally could have just had a different, like it's just Japanese people not painted Brown who are like, you're quote savages, you know, like there's literally no reason they couldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah. The, the sort of way that like King Kong stories were are so like rooted in like kind of these really complicated yeah. racism conversations, I think does it's, 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 it's really, it, it is very weird because it's like, I was reading up some of some old like NPR articles that have come out. One that came out when Skull Island came out. And then one that actually came out in 2005 when the Peter Jackson Kong movie was out. And like Ooh. in both cases, it's very much like, uh, professors who've like studied you know studied like black horror and like mm-hmm. you know representation in film just like literally asking the question of sort of like is it possible to do a king kong movie yeah. that doesn't have just a little bit of racism yeah. in it like because i mean and, and and you know there's uh robin means coleman is a professor at university of michigan um had a really like wrote, wrote this book called horror noir history of black american horror from 19, uh, 1890s to present which mm-hmm. sounds really interesting and i want to read meaning but... to read it there's a series on shutter i believe that is like uh maybe not an adaptation of it but like a a series sort of continuation it's it's also oh. literally just called black noir I had no idea. I I hadn't I hadn't heard of it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. The 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 book Horror Noir is the one that that she wrote. Sorry, Horror Noir. I got the name wrong. Yeah. And but she was on that. She was on one of the NPR interviews, and like you know, she was saying you know you can draw a direct line for Birth of a Nation, which is about the black male threat to white women, and draw that line directly to King Kong mm-hmm. in thirty three, because that's a time when black men were regularly depicted as ape like. And it's during the beginning of the Great Migration when thousands and thousands of black people were leaving the South to move to the nation's biggest cities. As Means describes it, um, Kong in that 1933 film is a, quote, big black ape who is absolutely obsessed with whiteness and particularly white women. And the movie shows that that has to be cut down. And like, you know, and and, and that that the sort of traditional story is like highlighting anxieties about like black male hypersexuality yeah. and stuff. All incredibly right, uh, uncomfortable stuff. And so that means, you know, you have this iconography of like King Kong holding a lady, a screaming lady in his hands that's like loaded. And like, I don't even think that it it wasn't, I don't think it was ever intentional. Like the directors of the original King Kong movie have like specifically talked about like that wasn't ever our idea. But I think it's one of those things where like you can't escape the context in which you were living and they maybe weren't intending to that. But either that was in the back of their minds, the back of someone's minds as they were making the movie, or that's how people were going to read it when they were watching no it, matter what it was unintentional yeah. no matter what right and that's sort of so built in the dna that it's like then when you get to this movie it's just sort of like it almost isn't a surprise to me that even in japan they're gonna pull no some level of racism of, out of it you know of course not and well one if if people didn't know that's the king kong conversation like there's your there's your crash course like inseparable yeah. at this point but like that's what's so interesting about it i think in in how it might make somebody feel as you're like experiencing it right because one of those things is so complicated and so kind of academic and so like entangled and so like it's it's so big like the conversations are still happening they're never going to stop happening um and then with this one it's like it's a very sort of momentary short sort of like 
in your face sort of thing. And the only sort of like comparison I can and sort of make is like trying to compare people who are who benefit from and are are contributing to systemic racism but who are probably like not necessarily actively directly doing racist things to people versus somebody who you know maybe doesn't benefit as much but walks right up to somebody and calls them a slur you know what i mean like one of yeah. those things in the immediate feels worse mm-hmm. But then you think yeah. about it and you're like, I don't really know which one's worse. I just know yeah. one of them could have not happened immediately. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, it's an inescapable part. I do think what the weird, one of the other interesting things about this movie though, is that like the, the actual natives of the Island are like the racist part. Unlike a lot of other like King Kong movies, Kong himself doesn't feel like, like a racist sort of allegory in this movie, I think because it's filtered through the Japanese lens, like he really is just sort of another kaiju who lives on an island and fights Godzilla. I feel yeah. like unless, well, and I think that's why it feels less complicated. I feel like it. That's why it feels yeah. less like it's the DNA of the movie. Like it, 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 it's like choices that they made that could have been avoided versus the creators of King Kong being like, we didn't mean to do that. And it just happening anyway, you know? Yeah. But I think you're right. I think like how, how would it have become as complicated and as sort of uh, like big of a conversation as an American movie there you know like the context right. is just completely different yeah 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 and it's also the perils of watching a movie from 1962 so yeah unfortunately i mean unfortunately yeah i, I mean, wish i had done my due diligence on this one but like in, J- in, this, in japan too yes. like, specifically like you know I obviously know. the conversations about you know dark skin in japan is very different than the conversations about yeah. that in america there's still plenty of racism in japan to, to be clear, but you also but you also have to acknowledge this movie was then released in the in United America. States a year later. And they didn't cut any of that shit out <laughs> in the U.S. cut. I can tell you that it's all there. They don't right. they don't cut a single thing out yeah. from there. So cool. I mean, I don't know how they could. Like, I genuinely it's don't so, know how they possibly could. Im- yeah, it's so like important to the plot. Yeah, <laughs> like you can't. Yeah, you would have no movie left if you could only like half the movie you could. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm guessing they also couldn't do much about this, but the character of Kano. I'm assuming is just also there and that they don't change anything about that character in the, the English version. Cause I don't know how you, the translator, I don't know how you possibly could, yeah, but like, he's all it's, the same. it feels like one thing to sort of like paint people a color and be like, all right, act like this. Oh my gosh. The, the translator character. I was like, Oh, this is so horrible. I just want him to be gone. Especially yeah. cause like that sort of energy or that sort of excitable character, like isn't reliant on, on like making him black or brown. Like (laughs) just like I've seen plenty of Japanese characters across all kinds of genres be that type of character. So she was like, Oh my goodness. (laughs) The the language they're also speaking was a mix of Polynesian pigeon English and backwards phrases. I was wondering about that because they just don't subtitle it. They don't say anything at all. No. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. It's like slightly better than gibberish because at least they're pulling for real languages, but it's still just like made up a fake language. Yeah. But ultimately, like with the Faroe Island stuff, I'm like glad I watched King Kong for honestly that reason. Like, I don't think I not think I know I wasn't expecting for King Kong versus Godzilla 
to basically have the story of how King Kong gets to like a mainland country in the same way that King Kong 33 does. And like, there are certain elements of it, the sort of hubris of it, or the sort of like careless, like uh capitalist piece of it that are, mm-hmm. that are, that carry over into this one. Um, but like the actual literal events, I'm just surprised by, I mean, they, they don't, I mean, they don't get it one for one. And I think it's well, certainly yeah, not as deep, but, but like just the, that's what I mean when I say like, yeah. it's clear they love that movie. Like they wanted to make their own version of these scenes. They wanted to make their own version of these sets. They wanted to like, you know, contribute to them and transform them. And you can see that. Yeah. Well, absolutely. And like, it, it, it and it makes even more sense how you get a satire of corporate like media out Ooh, of yeah. in this movie, out of the original King Kong. You know, absolutely. Like, I mean, totally that's the whole sense. thing. Like, Denim and King Kong is this guy who's like basically lying to people about what they're actually going to do so that he can make more money. I mean, honestly, this guy, this guy Taco's almost like better in a way because he's at least not lying to anyone. Like, he's he's straight up about what he wants to do. You know what I mean? That's that's actually a really good point. There's it is no deception like, whatsoever. Yeah. You know, it's Denim just like, is a con man. This guy is just like a wacky dude who will tell you right to your face what he wants to do. That's so. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, no, that's so true. He literally is like, I want, I want a big publicity stunt for my TV show. I'm gonna steal Kong, and he's gonna be on my TV show. Yeah. for a big publicity stunt. He doesn't have to manipulate anybody yeah. to get there. He just like orders yeah. his employees to go, and is like, we're gonna Which do imagine- it. <laughs> Imagine working kind of in the weeds of the plot. Like, imagine being like a cameraman or whatever for like a TV studio, and it's like, all right, you're gonna go on an expedition to to an island, to a mostly uncharted island, yeah. to steal a giant monster. Like, what the hell? Right. It's so like, why I us? Love it. I love how I love how utterly absurd it is. Yeah, the one guy has the right idea. The one guy who's like, I don't want to do that. I'm like, yeah, you shouldn't want to do that. Yeah, why would you any, shouldn't let like, anyone convince you to do that? That's not literal. That's literally not your job. Like not even (laughs) like so far, so beyond Mm -hmm. far above your pay grade. Right. It makes absolutely no sense. I was like, you're already a very (laughs) handsome man to look at and you're sensible. Like, like, yes, follow that instinct. Be that guy. I like that guy. Seriously. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. Well, I feel, I feel like we've, like that's it's such a complicated conversation, obviously, to have. I feel like we've oh, gotten sure. the good, the good broad strokes of it. Um, there's, I'll I'll link to all the stuff we were talking about in the show notes. Do your own reading yeah. about it. Uh, you know, it's it's King Kong is just a thing that unfortunately has a lot of uh, long-standing history with like racism stuff. It doesn't mean you can't enjoy the character and you can't you know do non-racist stories with him. But I think you do have to acknowledge that that is unfortunately just sort of a core part of its origins and history you know i think if you're going to be a responsible consumer and fan of king kong you have to acknowledge those things yeah um and the two of us are never going to do that conversation justice i mean we're two white guys talking on a podcast you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um there is more stuff on pharaoh island though worth talking about and i okay i i don't know if this is going to be i don't know i don't know how people would feel about this okay i think i know how you would think i would feel about this Okay. But I think I might surprise you. Okay. I hated the octopus stuff so much. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. You know what? This, this is a great transition because my next thing that I want to talk about was all the different monsters. Yeah. And the octopus is one of the monsters in this yeah. movie. So we'll just start there and then go to our big ones after that. Yeah. Interesting. I'm actually, I am a little bit surprised 
Me too. Christ. Because when they introduce a giant octopus on the scene, yeah. I'm like, hell yeah, this is my shit. Okay, yeah. Explain, explain your, explain your feelings. <laughs> it just, I just like. Okay, my favorite part of the octopus stuff was when you actually have King Kong fighting this sort of like obviously fake octopus, right? But oh, when yeah. you have the real octopus just sort of like crawling on land over these like sets, one, it's slow as hell. Two, it's really dark. It's hard to make things out. At least on the one I was watching. I was watching the Japanese one, which is not remastered and like has yeah. sort of like patchy quality. To, to be fair, yeah, that one. I, I want to when we at some point yeah. when it feels right. There's some interesting preservation, yeah. conversations about that. But yeah, you. But at least watch, for the version I was watching, watching, yeah, it's like dark and difficult to to sort of make out a lot of it because it's just like a zoomed in often zoomed in shots of just like a tentacle which like for an art piece in a museum like i'd watch that all day are you kidding me um but didn't necessarily like kind of slowed momentum incredibly uh for what i was watching and then three the sound was horrible and not in a way that i thought landed because it like I f- like the 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 balance was so bizarre. I can't wait to watch this on the English version because some of the things we've talked about with previous movies like the the English version kind of has the opportunity to like make tweaks or sort of um you know cor- I hate to use the word correct but like can't think of a better word yeah. at the moment. Like correct certain sound issues or like music things. Um at least again in the version I was watching like the music if the music was at like 50% the octopus sounds were at like 150%. And then any voices, like any screaming, any voices, anyone talking was at like 20%. And it just was like such a bizarre. Yeah. Like I wanted to like it. I wanted to be so excited about this octopus, octopus monster. And I just, I was so mad to be like bored and grossed out <laughs> and not in like a cool horror sci-fi way. Yeah. I do. Th- I do think that the sound stuff was probably part of i think i think that that was more probably because of the the copy that you were watching because you watch the criterion collection like kind of the japanese yes, one that they have on that's, their yeah that's right? what i watched yeah and i and, and you know it's it's a it's a messy messy sort of cut that they have on there um and i do think that the u.s version the slime sound effects aren't as pronounced but the a downside to the u.s version is that they just swap out almost all of the score of this movie that's for like kind of more generic american stuff um, that's so, a bummer but also there are moments in the japanese version where i'm like i feel like you're doing ifakube dirty by not featuring this music more i think that's you fair know? yeah 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 i i would be curious of like because i i have also of the japanese one i've only seen what's on the criterion collection that we have there is like a 4k scan that toho did do mm-hmm. uh but didn't give to criterion um oh. I, I think the um i guess i can just go over this real quick now yeah. i mean there's there's just been a long history of the preservation stuff with this movie that's like interesting i won't go into all of it you can read all about it but like the long and short of it is that like way back in the 70s like honda himself had to re-edit the movie for like a festival that it was part of oh which i was did a co- i did encounter yeah, this because was, i was wondering why the version i was watching kept switching back and forth between right. like really high quality video and really not high quality video. Yeah, like the, it, it, you'd have to cut it down, and unfortunately, as a cost cutting measure, they just like directly edited the original camera negative. So horrifying! Which, it's horrifying, but like back then they weren't thinking we were going to be doing like HD upscales in you know in like fifty years, the right? Original. So like why would you? <laughs> yeah, um, but that meant that there was like 
of uh, just a bunch of the original print missing. So if you ever want to do restorations, you literally wouldn't have access to it. Yeah. So like there's been multiple releases where people tried to cobble stuff together. Some stuff has gone missing again. Some stuff's been found again, et cetera, et cetera. What we have on the Criterion set was like one one uh, cut of it that, that yeah, combined like HD footage that I think they pulled from like the US version that, that they, that did have it in higher quality with like whatever they could find from the Japanese version. So it's like a mix of like upscaled HD stuff and just like really horrendously awful, like murky, like worse than DVD quality footage. Um, and that's all Criterion Collection was allowed to have. Like I said, Toho did like, I think they at one point did find like a, a, a print of it that they didn't know existed and were able to do like a 4K scan of it um but i think what happened was that they like showed it in theaters and then the criterion collection was supposed to come out in like 2019 mm. and and i think toho was like we don't want to like put our 4k scan to criterion we want to be able to sell that yeah in our country on our own because if we sell to criterion people in japan are just going to import the criterion set totally because um, <laughs> i think the eventually eventually the japanese 4k cut doesn't come out until like a couple of years after the criterion set does so they just held just like didn't give yeah. Criterion that cut. So that's all that Criterion had access to, which is also why on the Criterion set, like the main, like the main, that's why it's a, uh-huh. a supplement because they couldn't, they could, they, they couldn't in good faith release it as part of the Blu-ray HD collection. Mm-hmm. So the only like sort of remastered HD movie that you have on the disc is just the U S version. Yeah. Um, for, fo- uh, for, yeah. for folks who frequent libraries, you'll appreciate my library journey. My, the library that does have these movies near me has them all split into separate discs. So if you're looking for a particular movie, you get just that disc. You don't get the whole Criterion collection, which makes sense mm-hmm. for circulation. But because this is on the supplemental disc, it doesn't show up as that. And it's not really obvious the way that it's cataloged. So I remember texting Derek and being like, I think maybe I have the movie, but I'm not really sure until I get it. Uh, yeah. Because it just wasn't obvious based on how they had cataloged it, that there was a whole movie on there and that that's and what it was. F- forgot that the criteria because it's not advertised because i yeah. think that they know that it's not the best edition it's not yeah. like up to par for what criterion normally releases so like it's not like ever like very clear unless you're like looking into it yeah i legit like forgot that that was ever on it i never had seen the japanese version mm-hmm. i'd only ever seen the u.s version because because i was just sort of like oh, i'll have to i'll have to search it out you know at some point and then it's like and then you're you were telling me like yeah it's on the supplement disc and i checked and i'm like oh my god i've literally <laughs> had the japanese version this entire time and Damn. never sat down and watched it because I didn't realize I literally own yeah. it. Well, I'll be curious when you eventually watch it to like get your thoughts on, on any sort of oh. like, or have no, you watched I did. it since? Oh, okay. I did okay. Since. Great, great, yeah, great. I absolutely watched it for this podcast because it is a very different and much better movie than the U.S. Oh, version. Oh, interesting. Okay, I can't wait yeah, to get to that section, yeah. but we must wait yeah. to get to that section. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I do hope that I, I do hope that either the the English version or the 4K version or whatever version um, improves upon that octopus stuff because it's such a cool idea. Um, you know what? Do it again. Do it again in a different movie. Do it, you know, f- figure it out. I mean, ideally do it with either practical or CGI. It's probably better for the octopus. Um, well, but, do you want to hear the, hor- the horrible backstory well, of this? I looked this up. I didn't look this specific thing up, but I looked yeah. up how long can an octopus survive out of water? Oh, and it's like 30 part. to 60 minutes. And I have to imagine they kept this thing out longer than that. Maybe not well, all at once. Maybe. But I mean, like, they, they use multiple ones is the thing. So they were okay, able to cycle it through it. Me. Three of them did get released. So that's fine. The fourth one, Tsuburaya cooked and ate it after it was done. Oh, uh, well, okay. It didn't, I mean, it didn't die on set and get yeah, thrown away. It didn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. It didn't go to waste. Yeah. It didn't go to waste. You know, yeah. 
Um, but I think it was like, I was reading that like, um, there's this interview with, a. Uh, Teruyushi Nakano, who was like the uh, he was the assistant special effects director on this movie. I think he was also the one who did the effects on 1984, if I'm okay. remembering correctly. So he was, you know, he there's an interview that I found with him that was very funny, and he was just like. Super I just really fucking wanted to include an octopus. Like, I think that it just was in his head. Oh, that reads. Like, that absolutely yeah. reads. <laughs> like, I think that there was one point where, like, maybe King Kong, like, the octopus was going to be, like, a main, like, in the early, you know, development sure. stages when, before they landed on Godzilla, like, it would be King Kong versus a giant octopus, Hell right? Yeah. Um, and then when they, you know, got rid of that idea, um, Tsuburaya was just sort of like, yeah, but I really want to do an octopus. And Nakato says, I love this quote. He says, and I quote, for some reason, <laughs> Mr. Tsuburaya couldn't get it out of his head to use this big octopus. He kept thinking how they could put the octopus in the movie. He was more diligent in filming the octopus than he was with King Kong and Godzilla. <laughs> I was so worried to say I hated the octopus stuff. And I feel so much better about saying I hated the octopus stuff. I, I respect Tsuburaya a lot, but bro, let it go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It didn't pay off, I don't think. <laughs> yeah. I like I like the um anytime they use the rubber one that like jumps Me too. on Kong's face. I, I like really that fun. significantly more. <laughs> and they did have some like a couple there's a couple of times where they really did have like full sized like tentacle props too. I oh, thought nice. that those looked really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and there's some stop motion that like didn't really look that great, but I love what whatever stop motion is used regardless. Sure. So it can look like ass and I'm still going to fucking love it. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I do agree that the, the slime sound effects, I think take you out of it, even in the U S version where it's like toned down, it's still like, it just gets to be a lot. Um, and I think that there's a reason why a lot of like kaiju monsters that really like stick and become very popular. I think there's a reason why they are a little more slightly more anthropomorphized and aren't just a, a an big animal, animal, but big. Yeah. yeah. Like, and I think because like, you know, it's because it's literally an octopus, it doesn't have any like personality, mm-hmm. like not to say that octopuses aren't smart because I know that they are, but like but discernible on personality, personality on screen, not happening. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and it's just so, so it does make it look like you're just kind of watching a nature video with a bunch of like, relatively poor poorly composited people screaming about it and a lot of slime noises you know i I, yeah i who few (laughs) yeah look i i mean i like that it's in it because i do think the idea of kong fighting an octopus is really fun yeah and and i do think like when i first watched it i was like i had no fucking idea that this was gonna be in this movie and this is wild to see just a giant fucking octopus Mm -hmm. and i like the experimentation of like again they they had just invented the kaiju genre like you know within the within the last decade Mm -hmm. and are still experimenting like what if we could just do this and have just giant animals and i don't think they really really see them we we never really see them do that do it again because i think it is just hard to do it and make it look good you know and like i mean of all the animals they could have chosen to just literally put on set and be like it's giant they might have nailed it in one because like what are you going to put like a lizard, just like an actual lizard on set and be like, look how huge it is. Like <laughs> against Godzilla. I don't think so. It's like too similar, you know, like put a cat on sure. there. Like, I don't know. I think <laughs> the, actual cat, the, yeah. the octopus actually like, yeah, the idea of it is very good. I appreciate the experimentation. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, but he, he just maybe could have let it go. <laughs> or cut away from the noises even once over the course of that sequence. <laughs> 
<laughs> it just feels completely separate from everything. All right, I'm 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 done with the octopus. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I never would have ever thought I'd heard you say I'm done with the octopus. I know. Here we are, and probably done with Pharaoh Island. I mean, those are kind of the two big things that mm-hmm. that uh, I think are probably worth noting there, unless there's something I'm forgetting. Um, the, the actual like song that becomes Kong's theme. Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 It's such a fucking banger. That's such a good piece of music. Yeah. It's good. That is the one piece of music that does get carried over into the U S version. Cause yeah. there's no way. Cause I mean, people literally like dance and chant to it. Like, how would you not have that? Yeah. And it is, it's, it's so good. I, I love that piece of music so yeah. much. It's good. And I like that it is plot relevant. Not that it needs to be, but I, I just appreciate mm-hmm. it even yeah. more. It makes it even better. Yeah. 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 So, okay, let's talk about our boy Godzilla. What do you think of this Godzilla suit? Uh, well, I'll tell you. I'll, first, uh, the name is King Goji, which such an easy, beautiful, easy to remember name. Yep. And it's uh, Nakajima, like the OG, playing him again. Even though this is a very different like performance for this Godzilla, obviously, mm-hmm. it's still the same guy doing it. Yeah. So, what do you what do you think of this Godzilla? I um I told Derek that I had started to make a document of like the cast, so I could kind of keep track of the archetypes of certain characters and like what carried over. Um, and I made an, another tab on that same document that is now just the suits that I have seen because yeah. eventually I'm going to start forgetting, you know, things sure. about them. Um, and what's interesting about having done that is I feel like when I was only seeing them completely out of context, which maybe folks wanted, but, um, was difficult when I was seeing them totally out of context, like, I don't know that the impressions were necessarily right. It's interesting to see this one and be like, eh, this is like maybe okay. But then actually look at the other four that I've seen and be like, actually this one kind of rips. Like it's pretty good. Like silhouette wise yeah. is really good. Like the, like given how it moves, which isn't always super great, like for a suit, like it mm. does look pretty good. The only thing, honestly, well, there's maybe two things I don't really like about it, but the only things I don't really love about it, the head shape is weird because of the eye placement. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the head of this suit was specifically made to feature Godzilla profile. in profile. Yep. Because I think so. Because it looks amazing in profile. It uh-huh. looks wretched head on. It's really it's 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 weird, right? Like it's almost like a it feels like a weird like optical illusion. Like it yeah. doesn't make it doesn't sense. Look that it like looks like the same so, thing. Yeah. Um, it, I've always felt the same way too. This is this is a very popular Godzilla designs. Like it's one of the most popular ones. Like you're gonna see this in a lot of art. The podcast art, yeah. like the head of our the got podcast art, is I based it on this Godzilla yeah. because it looks so incredibly good in profile. I have like a shirt yeah. with this one. A lot of like I said, a lot of art that you'll see like will be based on this design because it's such a distinct one. Like it looks very Godzilla, but it doesn't like feel. But it also like it feels like a good representation of like Godzilla in general, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but always in profile like yeah when you look at it head on he looks really goofy head on it, it, and it's so strange it's he, <laughs> like it somehow goes from like having a whole ass walking lizard monster neck to having like no neck and like there's no top of the head it's like a goomba shape it's so bizarre yeah it kind of um, but yeah in profile it looks amazing i do amazing, like the silhouette yeah. um it's it's much more similar to the ones that i've liked so far um, mm-hmm. than I thought. And what's interesting is I think seeing this head, especially when it's at like the wrong angles makes me appreciate the Miragoji one so much more for like getting that right. Cause they both sure. kind of have a flatter head with like a wider mouth, almost like more frog like proportion than like lizard mm-hmm. or crocodile type proportions. Um, mm-hmm. and I think at first I wasn't like super into that, but 
I actually kind of freaking love the Millennium one now that I've seen like a couple ways to do it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah it's a good suit. It's really good. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is the first one that doesn't have like ears anymore, which I always love when Godzilla has ears, but like, he's mm-hmm. missing ears. He doesn't have fangs, which I think it probably they were probably just doing to sort of soften the features because they want this to be more kid friendly, mm-hmm. which I think makes sense. He has three toes instead of four, which I think the first time. <laughs> Um, important this one so yeah yeah so and i think that like a lot a lot of those things carry over for pretty much the whole show era until it's rebooted. i also realized i said that there were two things i didn't like about it and i only said one the other thing i think is not the fault of the suit i think it's how they had to move in this and it is just that like it doesn't feel full like when he's moving like you can see how much empty room is in there yeah Um, and that's like a hard thing to do and i think i think like when he's like flapping his arms, like I, I think, think you can hear the suit. I think that's a sound effect that they added for some reason. It's like because that was like a thing. I, like that's I, so right? much worse. I think, I think yeah. Like you're talking. I about thought the it weird... was just. I thought it was like rubber, like crease. I could be wrong. Sound effect. I, I don't know. I could be wrong. Maybe you're right. I don't know. I I, I thought that it was a weird little because he because he's supposed to be clapping. Like what it is supposed to be is that he's can he like even a, make contact between his hands. Well, I don't think he can fit it, but it's like it was like uh, Nakajima specifically imitating like gestures that professional wrestlers were making during the time. Uh-huh. So I think it was probably a thing where like if you were watching it in the 60s, you would recognize that as sort of like this sort of wrestling clap that they would do. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't read as well on screen because he has little arms that don't really connect. Yeah, I guess. Um, yeah. I feel hmm, I never. Which is why I think that it was supposed to be clapping. I thought it was just meant to be like. I don't know like, if it's clapping. Is, it's not like literally. It's not clapping like yeah. you're in an applause. It's like I don't even know if that's right. Maybe, maybe there's a better like or a Japanese word for it or something. Sure. That's how I've seen other people call that gesture. Mm-hmm. But it's like just that act of like excitedly moving your hands together is almost like after you've like made a move like that. That's hmm. just a thing, and so. You know, I, I so I thought the sound effect was like added there for the connection, but I don't know. Because I remember it most prominently when they're sort of like facing off and doing their sort of this. I thought was so fucking funny, and I it's it's the moment. The second time I watched it, I thought it was funny. The first time I watched it, I was having the realization of like the tone mm-hmm. of the movie. Sure. But the second time I watched it, when they're just like squaring up and doing like weird Animal Kingdom like dances at each other. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is hilarious. But that's when I remember it is like he's got his arms yeah. like wide, and I was like, what is that? What is that noise? Is that the suit? So I mean, I don't know what it was, but but it was uh, it was silly. Sure, I mean, <laughs> you're gonna get a lot of silly, man. Mm-hmm. Get used to it. <laughs> get used to it. <laughs> used to it. <laughs> now, King Kong. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So King Kong, he's portrayed <laughs> in this movie by um, Soichi Hirose. He had appeared in minor roles in like multiple Toho mm. films. Like he was actually in. He was in Godzilla as like a congressman, and he was actually one of the convicts in Raids Again. Oh, so, that's awesome! Yeah, mm-hmm. and he was like very specifically interested in playing a monster. Hell in yeah, a kaiju movie. I so love those Subarai guys. Like, <laughs> I do too. Yeah, so Subarai is like, all right, you can be Kong. Um, he would actually go on to be King Ghidorah in a couple of movies after this too. Ooh. So um, now, yeah, so like he had speci- this is just so this is just a funny little anecdote. He specifically received instructions from Subaraya to go to the zoo, study the movements of apes to like kind of capture really realistic ape like movements, uh, you know, during the performance. Mm-hmm. But um, Hirose said in interviews later, he's like, I actually never did that. I just like lied and said I went to the zoo. I mean, that doesn't <laughs> surprise me. Because <laughs> here's the thing. The, the movement. I know we haven't even talked about the suit yet, but the movement 
looks great in their final fight on the side of that sort of like mountain cliff whatever thing the movement looks very ape light he's kind of like in between all fours and and two legs like he gets that right when he's rolling around Mm -hmm. that stuff looks cool but before that i'm like what is this guy doing like there's a lot of like again it almost looks like kind of like dancing where it's (laughs) it's like weird sort of looseness to it that i'm like yeah all right king kong i guess get it Yeah, I guess because I mean, because again, they're they're sort of mimicking like wrestlers, right? And I mm-hmm. think that I mean that might necessarily literally be a wrestling movement, but the idea of like the showmanship of sort of like yeah, it is almost kind of like you're doing your like weird intimidating little dance well, moves, especially in with, front of your opponent, especially opponent, you know? without the context of wrestling. Like I didn't know that. I didn't know any of this was inspired mm-hmm. by wrestling. So I'm just sort of like, what are they doing? And the only thing I could think up is like two animals just being like. I'm going to make myself look a lot bigger because I don't want to fight you. You know what I mean? Sure. <laughs> like, sure. It's like, uh, it's so, it's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the suit, I'm assuming you probably hate it because it's, this ugly. thing's so fucking ugly. <laughs> it's I, I, I've, I found cause I've lived with it for long enough. Uh-huh. I found a lot of love for it. I find it kind of charming in its ugliness in a way. I think the things that I am, put off by obviously aside from the racism are things that I will find charming. You know what I mean? But like yeah, as it yeah. stands, having seen it and again, mistake maybe in this case also watching the 33 one before this, it's just mm. so ugly. It's eyes are the worst. Yeah. Why did they just like paint eyes on him? <laughs> well, there's, there's two different heads too. <sighs> like there's the one head, there's like the one head for close-ups that they use that they could actually yeah. do like, and um, that's, that's very King Kong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I know that like, yeah. So like they had two, two heads for it for close-ups. Um, so then they, and then I think that one of those allowed like the actor to actually be able to like sort of see through the mask when he kind of couldn't in other ones. So mm-hmm. I think that was also part of it. Um, also, this is just so weird. The hair on the body was apparently expensive yak hair that they then hand dyed brown. Wait, I don't understand hold why. Up. Like I don't understand. Did they why. have a separate water suit then, or no? Or are yaks f- like water animals, and that's why they did it? I think it's probably why they did it. I mean, I didn't think about that because they yeah, fully that's submerged they did that suit. <laughs> that's probably why they used yak hair is because huh. then it could go in the water. Is a actually. yak just like a that. water bison or whatever that's called? Water, I s- whatever. I, I don't know. I, don't I live know. in the Midwest. We don't have yaks. I mean. Yeah, I live on, on the, uh, the eastern coast. We don't have yaks here either. Wait, where are yaks? Even? I don't know. Water buffalo. Cool. That's what I was trying to think of. Are water buffalo and yaks the same thing? Somebody let me know. Yeah, I'm <laughs> not looking that up. I've done But that's research. fascinating that it's yak fur. Yak fur. Yeah, so fucking weird. Huh. Okay. Yeah. And I think that, like, I think part of the reason it looks kind of odd, too, is that, like, RKO specifically asked that they not make it look like the american king kong sure um you know i think just to differentiate it because they didn't know how this movie was going to turn out right so they wanted to keep it differentiated so that's why it ends up looking a little bit different apparently when they were designing it they were sort of basing it on the japanese macaque monkey instead of a gorilla oh my god that actually makes so much more sense it suddenly like becomes kind of clear what it's what they're going for more than a gorilla whoa because i think that's the thing that's sort of uncanny about this kong head um is that like you're used to like 
the original 33 King Kong like doesn't really look like a gorilla, but it's obviously inspired by But it doesn't look like, like anything else. Right. Like it's an it's sort of like an abstract interpretation of a of a gorilla, right? And this one suddenly it's sort of like, I know it's supposed to be a gorilla, but that's head's not a gorilla head. So what the hell is it? And when you realize it's like a, just a completely different kind of monkey. And if you look like a, look up a macaque, like the, the sort of ridges of the forehead and everything and the way the the cheeks are shaped and stuff. um, Like it, it it makes a lot more sense. It does. It's still ugly, but it does make a lot more sense. It at least (laughs) sort of like explains how it, like why and how it ends up looking. It looks like it. And knowing that they weren't supposed to make it look like the RKO one, which I mean, that's tough. Like, I know, I know you said it's like an abstract interpretation of a, a gorilla, but I mean, you show that to anybody out of context, and like, that's a gorilla. Right. Um, right. How do you make a gorilla not look like the last gorilla you <laughs> made, gorilla. you know? Yeah. But still be the gorilla. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so tough task. Yeah. It's, it's, it was a tough task. You know, um, I don't think that anyone would ever go to bat and say, this is like the best thing that super Eye has ever made or the best con is too busy with made, the octopus. You know? Yeah, right, right. But, you know, like I said, I find it charming. I have a lot of love for it, even though it's, like, goofy and kind of ugly, you know. I hope I get to that point. I really hope I do. (laughs) (laughs) They also, like... I'm sure this is probably obvious. They put like these like long poles into his arms. So then mm-hmm. Hiroz, Hiroz could <laughs> grab them and manipulate them just to make it look like he had these long arms. Yeah. But then it like, it looks like he just like doesn't have elbows. It looks yeah. like he just has like floppy noodle arms. It's very funny. Yeah. Um. Obviously like, you know, he doesn't have them when they're actually doing the fighting mm-hmm. stuff. It's just when he's walking around, which also then makes it even more uncanny because like when he's walking, his arms are like wildly different. That's than what I'm fighting. saying. That's when they look sort of like goofy and noodly. <laughs> yeah yeah what a goofy what a goofy guy what a goofy yeah. guy <laughs> and this is the first time he's ever in color too yeah like, oh that's a great point yeah yeah like because they they've done i don't know i don't remember how many sequels ha- had happened since uh, the 33 one i want to say well one thing that's really funny is that the sequel to King Kong has basically the same story as the sequel to Godzilla, where they were just like, make another one now. We don't give a shit what yeah. it is. You know, came out literally the same calendar year. Um, but I think, I don't know, maybe like three. Maybe there were yeah. three King Kong movies at that point. Maybe even four, because it was a lot of time. 30 years. Sure. Oh, yeah, 30 years. Well, first time he was in color in this movie. Dang. That's apparently had like a two foot model that they used a couple of times. They did a puppet of of kong for the facial expressions and stuff like that and they also did have a stop motion puppet for like the one time mm. godzilla drop kicks him in the chest in that one moment oh my god that was so funny i fucking love that so much it's so it caught me so amazing. off guard because literally nothing else in this movie is like that moment yeah yeah it's it's amazing i i i unironically love it to death it's so wild mm-hmm. Um, oh, and last thing about Kong before we move on. Sure. The, uh, the roar that he has. It's oh, like, yeah. It's, co- it's a combination of thunder with uh, a lion's growl and an elephant's trumpet Hell all yeah. mixed together. I love that Fucking shit. Fucking love it. His roar is so scary in this movie. Yeah. Like, it's genuinely scary. <laughs> I just feel like they, they all should be. They all should have, like, yeah. weird, horrifying roars you've never heard in nature before, you know? Sure. I think that makes sense. Ugh. I think that makes sense. I do feel like... Uh, I feel like, well, with King Kong for sure, because like for the most part, its mouth wasn't really all that articulated. Sure. Um, but I do feel like uh, the roar, this is such a dumb nitpicky thing, but I do okay. feel like the roar sink uh, for Godzilla was like almost never right. <laughs> and it has like a whole ass mouth that can fully open. And I kept being like, did your mouth even move when you roared? <laughs> 
doesn't matter because it still sounds cool as hell. But yeah. I kept noticing it. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Uh, you want to talk about some character stuff? Sure. Let's do it. What do you think about these characters? I guess then. Yeah. Even, okay. Because there's a lo- there's a lot of them in this movie. There, there's a lot of people. There <laughs> are a lot of them, and I I have to admit that by the end of the movie, I probably knew two people's names, and one of them is not an important character. So I knew yeah, I, I knew her name it. was Fumiko, because it's easy to remember the one woman's name. Yeah, um, and they it's yelled a lot. Right, exactly. <laughs> and then I knew that there was a guy named Obayashi. I couldn't tell you who he is. I just remember it was Obayashi because we had a Kobayashi who I really liked. Um Which one was those, Obayashi? I don't was know. He... I just remember there was a guy. I think he worked in the news or in the marketing. I think he was I, part I... of the the I think he worked for Taco. Um so I had to look up literally everyone else's name. Um and it's really hard, especially when the two sort of like, I'm calling them the secondary guys, even though they got a lot more screen time than who I'm calling the lead guy. Cause the lead guy was in a relationship with Fumiko, who is the only woman. Therefore she's the lead woman. So there's like those two other guys who are like the cameramen. And, and I, I kind of wish that they were just the focus of that, that cast. You know what I mean? Like of of the young sort of like handsome folks, I mean, I guess they're a little bit older than the couple, but the couple mm-hmm. really, I know that there were they were somewhat plot relevant, but like I really feel like you could have could have taken some things out, could have removed some characters, and it would have been fun to have the third movie, this first uh, sort of tonal shift or whatever, be about these two dudes who are like sent mm-hmm. on this absurd uh, sort of mission to this dangerous island. And then meet up with this like ridiculous boss mm-hmm. of theirs. Like I really feel like that could have carried a lot. I think you could have entirely gotten rid of the lead guy. What is it, Fujito? Fujita. Um, and just had yeah. Fumiko be a scientist instead. And then you have fewer characters to keep track of, and you don't have to worry about Fumiko being damseled as much. Just like you know, like I feel like once again they are trying to like fill the exact same spots with like slight tweaks mm-hmm. here and there. Hmm. Like we must have a romance between two hot leads. I didn't really feel that way with this because I felt like it was a lot more of an ensemble than we normally have got like a wider ensemble than normal. Cause I feel like there isn't really, I feel like, I mean, this is my problem with this movie is that I feel like they're actually, it maybe it was maybe like a little bit too many characters sort of spread amongst things that we were following. Yes, I agree. Um, and they maybe could have consolidated. <laughs> that's why I'm trying to like pair things down and yeah, consolidate I, a little bit. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I mean, I, I was just approaching it more of an ensemble cause I didn't really feel like, like, I feel like the, the, you know, the two um, TV dudes. Yeah. are sort of like your, your, your sort of like duo I don't know. It's almost like you you kind of have like co-leads, right? You have like Sakurai is the main like cameraman guy who does the drumming and everything. And then you have his sort of like like sidekick that's the Kinsaburo. But I mean, he's and he's because he's like the funny guy who is like the sidekick to yeah. Sakurai in a lot of ways. And, realistically, and then you have the you have the side story that's Fujita that is sort of like he kind of gets to do the more the hero stuff, but he's not really positioned narratively as the hero. He just does the heroic things and has the love interest to save in a heroic way, if that makes sense. It does make sense. But what's strange about it is that Fujito serves kind of I think it's Fujita. Fujita. Sorry. I'm mixing yeah. or I'm like combining Fumiko and Fujita. Um, yeah. but Fujita like simultaneously is like 
a little bit Sarazawa and a little bit Ogata, right? Like if, if we're using sort of the original model, like he gets to be the hero with the girl, but he also gets to be the guy who like just happens to have the right idea f- to solve at least one of the problems. Sure. And so then if, if that guy's filling in both of those spots, like why do we have all these other characters? Well, I, think, I like some I, of them. I, I don't want to get rid of some of them. Like realistically, yeah. Kinzaburo doesn't need to be there if you do want to have a more consolidated like couple of leads, but I like him. So I don't want to get rid of him. Um, but if you're going to have an ensemble, I just kind of wish that they were more distinct or that they were more featured or that I walked away knowing any of their names. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think that's part of it is that like it's because it's it's an ensemble and I feel like they're not most of them aren't particularly distinct enough that like you immediately I don't know that like you they nobody really gets a ton of screen time in this movie because it's it's such a spread ensemble. And so nobody gets particularly developed, which I think would be fine for this sort of broad comedic satire. I don't need to go. Yeah. in depth with these characters because that's not the movie that I'm approaching or expecting. Yeah. But then if they're going to do that, then I think that maybe you lean a even a little more into the broad sense and make them very distinctly defined individual characters. Cause as it stands, it's like kind of three hot guys and then like they're late and they're lady. Yes. And then that, and then taco is really like the one that stands out. Who's like you know the what only I mean? sort of like featured <laughs> cast member. And it's not even because he's like, getting more screen time it's just because he's the one who gets to be like a big character and they don't all need to be wacky but like big it up a little bit you know like these three hot guys like what's the what's the difference here what are they doing like what their personalities how are they different you know Um, especially the two that are always together like you can because they're always together you can kind of see a difference but not enough that you feel like there need to be two of them yeah yeah yeah, that's actually a good point. Like, why did? Yeah, but I like the duo. Cool? I, like, I like maybe because it's just different than what we're used to, at uh-huh. least to this point. Well, all the things we've covered, but like to this point chronologically, it's just different yeah. to have like mm. these two guys um, who are just like buds. They're just bros, you know, um, who work yeah. together. One of the things that Honda had said about directing the the actors that I think like. I love Honda, but I wonder if this maybe was a mistake. He said like, I didn't ask him to play comedy, I, or I didn't ask him to play as a comedy. Um, he want them to, he wanted them to find humor in the absurdity of it all. Oh, buddy, there's two different things. Like rather than going for it as a straight comedy, it was sort of like, oh, you know, for example, it's just like a guy in the advertising section that's going for his job, you know. Uh, like like the best that he could but his way of doing it becomes a joke because it's so absurd so it's like the care it's not that the character is a is a is a comedic absurd character it's that it's just like all the choices he's making in the world he's living is absurd and that makes it funnier and i get that but i think that like this movie i think is when you watch godzilla and kong it's very broad and i think the characters maybe should have been broad and taco himself is very broad i think because that actor like really just full-on embraces like the absurdity of that character and how you could be the type of person who's the head of a pharmaceutical department who wants to like abduct an animal or abduct a giant monster um but no one else i think ever really matches his level so so we're, we're like your best understanding is that like that was maybe an actor's choice in like how he was mm-hmm. finding the absurdity. I think so. That's incredible yeah. then. I mean, Taco is not a character that I normally would sort of like gravitate to. He's like obviously meant to be like over the top and a little bit annoying and very pushy. And like, he is the one who is like, he, he represents any hubris in this movie. Right. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. But he is like electric compared to everybody else because the actor is going so hard at it. Who is the actor? Who is this guy? 
Do we get to see him again in another role? Because I, I'm kind of a fan just based on the fact that he fucking went for it. He's Ichiro Arashima. I don't think... I'll look real quick. I don't think he's in another Godzilla movie. Um, he's been in plenty of things. Like, he's been in lots of movies, sure. period. Um, I think actually, you, you know what? He's actually s- been in... He's actually been in fewer movies than I expected, but oh. he, he, but he, ha- but not in any in any more Godzilla movies. Okay, I was gonna I say see. you could kind of sneak him in because he's he's sort of like a cartoonish character in this. He's got like a pretty cartoonish mm-hmm. look, um, so you could have easily had him in a different role. And he doesn't. I think he's he's doing so much in his characterization that you wouldn't run into a situation um, like with Millennium. Who's the character that I fucking hated in that movie? <laughs> The over the top oh, guy, damn it! Oh my god, what the fuck was his name? I haven't added Katsu, Millennium. Cats, 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 something. Katsu. <laughs> Katsugiri. I Katsugiri. Think. That's what I like. Yeah. I don't know that that guy you could sneak into another movie, but I think I think Taco's actor you could sneak into another movie and have him play a totally different character. Yeah, you know who did sneak into this movie? Who I was wondering. Sarazawa was in this movie. Whoa, who was Sarazawa? Um, yeah, Akihiko Harada. He was, uh, the like sort of um. Not not the prime minister, I don't think, but one of the sort of like representatives, the dude who's like being kind of hounded by the press and they're asking him, are you going to use oh nuclear weapons? Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then, and then when they're actually watching the battle, he's there with like the military and stuff and just sort of watching and sort of commenting on the battle and stuff. Oh my God. I can't wait to, to mm-hmm. see, uh, see my boy. <laughs> yeah. And I think if you watch the U S cut, I think they just call him doctor. Like, I think he's supposed to be a doctor instead of a government dude, which confused me. I was like, looking, I'm like, wait, am I confused as to who he's, who he's supposed to be playing? Like, it doesn't matter when you, when you know, he's there, you look at him and yeah. Just, you know, pretend that he's wearing an eye patch and it's fucking Sarazawa. Yeah. Um, but it's, it was fun to see him. It was just fun to see him in this yeah, movie. And he's, cool. he's he's only in a few scenes and he doesn't really like do much, but mm-hmm. it's a it's a neat little like, yeah, cameo. For sure. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, just fun fact, not that she gets to do much more than fall and scream, but uh, Fumiko is played by Miyahama and she is actually a future Bond girl. She Whoa. plays the, the the female lead and you only live twice not long after. Does she have a fun movie. Bond girl name? She is Kissy Suzuki. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, could have been so much worse. I'm kind of into oh. it. Oh. Could have been a lot worse than that. Kissy yeah. Suzuki. Wow, wow, wow. Well, I bet you yeah. I like her a lot more in that one. I mean, this is no fault of the actress. She does perfectly fine. It's just she's really, truly only there to, like, be in danger. It, it's it's wild how, like, this one lady, like, just inter- – she, she, like, interacts with both Godzilla and Kong and almost is killed by both of them. And both in situations where she's just, like – randomly falling down or randomly getting picked up now like, imagine if she were like a more consequential relevant character like maybe her boyfriend was and like that mattered that she had experienced both attacks like there's a way that you could have woven that in as like mm-hmm. the person who is the most kaiju experienced in the room happens to be her you know that's so true yeah like she actually got to be up close with like both of yeah. these dudes and it's sort of like i figured out like that Godzilla's weakness is electricity and Kong absorbs electricity. Yeah. I saw this. This is this happened. I noticed this. I mean, like, like it wouldn't be the same thing as Emiko, but one of the things I loved about Emiko in the original movie is that like, she was the connection between all the pieces that needed to fit together. You know what I mean? And, and Fumiko is in all the right places to be the thing that connects all the pieces, but they just (laughs) don't let her do that. Do anything. Yeah. She's literally (laughs) at home. She's like, I think my, my, uh, my boyfriend, 
might be might be dead, but maybe not. So I'm going to go find him. <laughs> oh, no, Godzilla. Well, now we're going to try to leave. Oh, no, King Kong. Like, she's just going places and running into right. monsters with not really any intention. Like, no. <laughs> there, there's a version of this movie where she just is the lead, and it's not an ensemble at all. And she just, like, yeah. through all these sort of weird circumstances, ends up being there. And they, then we kind of see through a perspective. But... Uh, yeah no not really i i fully yeah. i was so confused when they like missed each other because it felt like it should have been so much more a significant moment but it really just is like oh i thought he was dead so i'm gonna go there and he's not dead but he missed me because i'm gone like <laughs> it's yeah. just like, all right cool <laughs> yeah it is, it is like weirdly like it, it really is truly just to get her into a position where yeah you can have a character that another character cares about <laughs> in the path of Godzilla. Like that's literally the only reason that entire yeah. plot point happens. I, Cause yeah, there, there's no other reason the like fake out of maybe he died thing happens at all. Like right. it's just to get her tripping and falling in that little tiny Creek. I <laughs> wonder, and I know you know the answer to this, but I wonder like how many movies into the series do we get before there is a compulsion to have some sort of romantic couple? You know what I mean? I wouldn't be surprised if it was literally the next movie. Um, mm-hmm. But I also wouldn't be surprised if there just were the compulsory, like hot couple in like every movie for like 12 movies, you know, whether they're <laughs> actually consequential or not. Yeah. I mean, that's like, that's an American action movie thing too. Sure. You know? These ones are just maybe the least compelling ones we've seen. I think. oh my god in this movie, yeah. Well, because well, because like again, the characters like don't really matter yeah. in this movie. You know, like not they try like, so hard to make them matter because he's like the he's the 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 textile guy, right? Yes, the guy he was like <laughs> like the the super strong floss that he right. makes. It's so the plot the, the the elements of this movie are so funny. Like yes. it's you've got you've got super strong like f- wire floss stuff. Like I just love how thin it is, and it truly clearly is because it's sort of like that's the uh, prop that that is what we have on set that we literally use to string up yeah. spaceships and monsters. So right. why not just visualize that and just use it? And now we don't have to like try to hide it. Mm-hmm. You have super strong floss. You have big old balloons. You have electricity that gives Kong superpowers for some reason. You have bi- you have berry juice that gets Kong drunk and sleepy. Um, and <laughs> bombs made from that same berry juice, like gas bombs, bombs made from ju- the berry, berry juice, juice that they just so happen to have from a different expedition to that island. Oh my god! And uh, this, my, honestly, I think it's actually really genius that they just like at the beginning of the movie just. Established that Sakurai, despite being a cameraman, is also a good drummer, which you think is sort of like that's a weird character beat. And it's so Honestly, they can establish that he can drum later on in the climax. And I'm like, you know what? Kind of genius. Actually, that's like A plus uh screenwriting there, yeah. actually. That is that is true plant and payoff. Honestly. Because I never would have expected the random, like like the random like we don't even really see him drumming in the beginning. It's just sort of like why are you doing this? You're not normally a drummer. It's like I'm filling in because I'm a dr- I, because I can play drums. Right. And then guess what he does at the end of the movie? Plays drums mm-hmm. and it puts Kong to sleep. It's not even like, heavy-handed. So He's funny. like annoyed he had no. to fill in. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. It's actually like that's like incredible screenwriting because I so never good. expected that to be an important important piece of the plot. Chekhov's drum set. <laughs> Chekhov's drum set. <laughs> So good, but yeah, so the, the 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 bizarre just elements of this movie are so funny to me. Like that's not even a criticism; it's just like no, that's the fun okay, stuff. That's like sure, yeah, the good silliness that I like, and I'm like excited yeah. for the tonal shift, you know, because um, yeah. it's just like these absurd parts that all make sense together. But like, w- w- like how did you come to that part or that piece of the puzzle? Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, but I'm glad you did. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> the traps and the devices, right? You mentioned the like electrocuting King Kong. Um, we haven't mentioned the pitfall yet. That is so funny to me that they try to like drop Godzilla into this like pit where they're, I guess, going to like, are they going to blow him up in there? Are they going to gas him in gonna, there? I think they were trying to bury like, him maybe. Set him on. Oh, I, okay. Um, but then he just sort of like pops up, which is so funny to me, where it's just like his head rises from yeah. the thing. I'm like, did you not dig hey. it deeply enough? <laughs> like he just seems Clearly. to have stood up. Yeah, um, it's like, hey guys, I'm right here. <laughs> so What's going good. On? Such a funny yeah. moment. Parallels the like King Kong also not getting blown up or, you know, not getting blown up and then just like head popping up from the water. Like there's some yeah. really funny like monster moments in this yeah well i think they really do embrace the idea of like god these humans are so fucking dumb and cannot actually like they need the monsters to fight and kill each other because they they cannot handle this right so they need the humans to be completely unsuccessful at like actually tackling the problem but I think it's funny because they shouldn't be successful because it's like you're fucking causing all these problems, y'all. Like, I I, I think my I, I fucking love like they're dragging Kong on this raft from this island to bring him to Japan and then are like shocked and surprised when he starts waking up and are immediately like, well, I guess we got to blow him up now. And I'm like, what did you think was going to did you think he was never going to wake up? You're like, idiots. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I mean, it's it's a perfect Kong story. You know what I mean? Mm. They didn't think far enough ahead. Oh, they I, underestimated I don't, I don't, the the strength. It's it's. I don't mean that as a criticism. Notch. Oh, I know. Yeah, I think that that's like it's it's part of the satire. It's mm-hmm. just like these fucking dumbass corporate executives. Yeah. have this brilliant idea that they and they don't think through the implementation of it at all. Yeah, because it's at all. It's all hurried. None of it's studied. Yeah. It's not. None of it's good. Like none of these are good ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, like at all. Uh, yeah, it's 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 <laughs> it's just so absurd. The more you think about it, the more absurd it gets. I also wish that last episode I had just stopped at maybe they get King Kong to stop Godzilla. Like maybe that's mm-hmm. how they intersect. It's not where I landed. And I wish I had just stopped talking because I would have been so close to correct. <laughs> yeah, you would have pretty close. Uh, I mean, it's not exact, but yeah. like because there's, you know, the whole they also wanted to make it for money a commercial, making, you know? yeah, ridiculous yeah. aspect, but ooh, yeah. I would have been so close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the perfect story, right? Because like King Kong is such a, especially you know, at this point, Godzilla's only ever been a villain. King Kong is like a, I think a much more, I think has historically been portrayed more overtly sympathetic than Godzilla. You know, we love God- the Godzilla in the first movie, but he is meant to be more of a horror villain. King Kong, I think, is more immediately kind of like oh we feel bad for this creature who was sort of dragged like so clearly just dragged into this terrible situation yeah so i think that it makes sense to position kong in this movie as essentially like the good guy like it is like he's the face and godzilla's the heel in mm-hmm. this movie is it's how it's portrayed which is why you know kong King, kong obviously wins at the end of the movie which is wild i wouldn't have known what to predict i honestly wouldn't have known like yeah how this how does this turn out but it kind of makes sense right like they have reverence mm-hmm. for king kong they paid a but ton of money for King Kong. Mm-hmm. They're obviously going to like, you know, respect particular wishes about King Kong, you know, mm-hmm. from the original creators or the owners of it. So it actually makes sense when you think about it, but I just mm-hmm. <laughs> like kind of surprised. Yeah. There was, there's like this was for a long time 
um, before people could like easily, you know, import and fact check stuff uh-huh. like this longstanding urban legend of like, well, did you know that, you know, in the U.S. Kong wins, but in Japan, their original cut Godzilla wins because they wanted to have like the uh, monsters of their respective country winning. Like if people just like believe that for the longest time. What's so um, funny about that is like King Kong is American by production, not by like narrative. Like, do you know what I mean? Actually, a really interesting point because I never thought about. Well, because one of the things about King Kong is that he's like being ripped out of where he's from. Right. Like he's not from the United. He's not from New York. He's like completely out of his element in New York. So it's like, I mean, it makes sense, right? Like as far as like the production goes, and actually, like you said, the sort of meta of it all. Um, it all aligns and makes perfect sense that this would be viewed as like America's monster versus Japan's monster and the ultimate Mm. showdown. But like. If you're yeah. just looking at the sort of King Kong side of things, it doesn't, it doesn't really make sense that's, that he represents America. That's such a good point. It represents a victim even, of America. <laughs> a victim of America. It's just two victims of America killing each other. Truly. Basically, what this ultimately is. Yeah. Like, actually, like, legitimately. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's so funny. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> wow. One thing we haven't even mentioned. We've talked about Godzilla. We've talked about how they end up sort of interacting King Kong and Godzilla, but we haven't even addressed the fact that this Godzilla is the frozen Godzilla directly from the end of the last movie. And they, it's explicit. Like they, they all are like, Oh, I thought Godzilla was dead. And I said, you're all idiots for not checking. And I was right. (laughs) Not that that was like a deep prediction, but like, I just thought it was cool. I was like, Oh, check it out. Yeah. You were 1000% right. It did. Weird. It is. It is weird that it took Godzilla. Like (laughs) seven years to break out of that ice i don't really well, understand that part they but they do know. address it it's because the it's because the oceans are like warming for some reason i don't know if it's supposed to be climate sure. change or if there's an external factor or what but like it's I only because they... the the sea was like warming up see i thought my reading of that was that the sea was warming up because it was godzilla slowly breaking out of the oh ice interesting okay yeah i guess it could go either way yeah, yeah. It is funny because it's sort of like he wasn't under that much ice and rays again. It would take him years no. to break out. Like but maybe he just no. <laughs> maybe he just went to bed. Yeah, just maybe he, he was like a nap. I'm annoyed. I'm gonna sleep for a few years. Yeah. And then I'll wake up and then I'll break out. Yeah. So that's fine. Why would I want to deal with yeah. these humans? Let them think I'm dead. Yeah. I think that whole sequence looked really good too. Like the the actual look of like the icebergs yeah. and the glaciers in the water and then the sub. Uh, above yeah. and underwater all looked really really good yeah the sub looked incredible yeah um, i was very surprised impressed. at how much english was in this movie as a result of the sub mm-hmm. being an american sub um uh-huh. and like it was like a weird like i obviously understood everything they were saying but it like took me a second to be like wait a second i understand what they're saying but not because i'm reading the screen um, yeah, a lot of english at funny. the beginning of this movie but yeah and the the sub- dude with like the deep like cowboy southern accent oh too. So, so funny, funny. Uh, like and so why, obviously dubbed over <laughs> why does this was in 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 uh in 84 it was like this too like just like the most ridiculous mm-hmm. like care like i don't know i mean it's because it's dubbed and it's probably supposed to be dubbed to be as clear as possible yeah. you know mm-hmm. um but but yeah, it looked really good. I liked the iceberg stuff. I know I was like not a fan of the raids, like how raids kind of ended up looking with its ice mm-hmm. and snow and stuff, but this looked great. It does. Yeah. What else? I'm, I mean, we haven't talked a ton about their fight. Um, yeah, let's do it. Oh yeah. There's plenty of fun stuff. I mean, it's an, uh, there's so many gifts that just come from this fight. Like there's so many iconic little like weird 
weird little motions that they do or, you know, think just individual like ways that they interact mm-hmm. and everything that, that are just like, so like iconic often in it, it's in its absurdity really, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. So much more rock throwing than I would have thought, which There's a lot of rock throwing. is very <laughs> funny in the climactic fight. In their mm. sort of like sizing up, squaring up thing, I was like, what are we doing? One of you move. Because in the first <laughs> fight, they're just like figuring each other out. And then King Kong gets yeah. scared off because yeah. Godzilla fucking has atomic breath. Yeah, um, I love the way that Kong like is like so confused and looking up down yeah. at himself and like wiping himself <laughs> off. Like, I don't think I like this. I'm going to peace out, yo. Yeah. And like, it's so funny. Is that, where, <laughs> is that where Kong does the weird like stop blink thing? Like what just happened? I think, yeah. I mean, he, he, there's a couple of times. Or I maybe think, it was when he blew up he the, the helicopter. Yeah. yeah. But yes, I, I love that. It's, it's so funny. <laughs> it's like, what is happening? Um, but yeah, so much more rock throwing. I thought it was really funny, especially in the climactic fight, because it ends up being like, I don't know. There's There's moments for both of them where like they think they're done. They think they've like finish the fight and start walking away. And then someone throws a fucking rock and they're like, what the fuck did you just throw at me? Like, it's so funny. It really is like wrestlers <laughs> thinking that they've won, getting up and then having yeah. somebody hit him with a chair in the back. No, it totally is. Yeah. I love the points when like they throw rocks and like, don't really interact. Like Godzilla will get hit by a rock in the face and just kind of stands there. Yeah. And then it takes a second. It's like, Oh wait, shit, that just <laughs> happened. Like, <laughs> like it's, it's kind of funny. I mean, and you can read into it that it's like, Oh, you know, they're just, they're so powerful that it's like, it just hits you and you're not even really responding to it. Um, you know, it's just funny. Cause they're like, obviously dudes in rubber suits. So yeah. You can like kind of see that. And, and I think kind of the fun, honestly, like the fun of the Godzilla Kong fight is like, you can watch it as these like two monsters like wailing at each other. I think it is also fun just to envision it as dudes in suits. And it's like equally as fun. You know what I mean? Cause it's like <laughs> the idea of, of watching them in the movie. And also the idea of like, this is two dudes in these suits fighting each other, like wrestling each other. And that is so fucking funny and silly to watch them doing these wrestling moves on each other. Yeah. Cause they're doing like, they are doing like a lot of actual moves like on each other. There's a lot of tumbling going on. Yeah. Yeah. Like they they are being very, um, I mean, they're, they are being very like active and stuff like that. Like they're doing genuine stunt work Mm -hmm. and like, it's, it's silly when they're in, in the monster suits and, you know, I know you commented on like Godzilla suit is like much more obviously a suit in this movie than the first two, but but it doesn't look as bad in the actual final fight. It only really looks bad when they're sizing each other up and not making contact. Yeah. Like there's points, um, like both of them, I think were, were had been trained in martial arts in some way. Mm -hmm. Like they're stunt men. So of course they know how to like use their body and everything. So like there's there's one point where like um Kong lifts Godzilla over his head like he is doing that Dude. Like, he is doing that with Nakajima in the suit and there's another one where he like you know is swinging Godzilla through the air I think Nakajima was in the suit even during that like so that wasn't like that wasn't like a fake thing like he was legit swinging this dude around by the tail of his suit like it's so fucking cool and I think a lot of their choreography was just them figuring out on their own because they sure. both know martial arts yeah. I mean, I, I obviously like very much appreciate all the work that goes into it and like uh, and and I'm just like amazed at what they're able to pull off. But I got to say, like, I never thought about the guys in the suits watching this. I was like fully, yeah. fully like in on these two monsters That's like awesome. being sort of like uh, like 
their fight feels so much like they are wasting their time on each other. Like, can I get on with, can you stop? Ooh. Can I get on with this? You know, like there I are points where they that. kind of seem annoyed with each other yeah, and like just wish the other one would kind of leave them alone. I mean, they're throwing That's rocks hilarious. at each other. They're doing dumb, annoying shit to each other before mm-hmm. they actually start throwing each other around. Um, and I feel like the attitude is like, like just comes through on the screen in such a funny way. Yeah, it's like they're not even they're not really that serious about their own match that everyone else is like watching and paying attention yeah, to. Like, there's like no aggression. Yeah. There's like annoyance. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like there's no like these don't yeah. seem like sworn enemies. These don't seem like guys who are worried the other guy's gonna kill them. It's just sort of like, how do I win and get out of here? <laughs> like it's so Well, I think funny. that's what makes it feel I think that's the wrestling aspect I think is, is so part and partial of that. Right. Cause like when you're watching a wrestle, like wrestling, it's a performance. When right. you're watching professional wrestling, you know that it's a performance, right? They're not out to actually literally kill each other. And I think that that comes through here because it's like, there are other Godzilla movies where the plot is about Godzilla or someone stopping a world ending monster mm-hmm. or whatever the fuck, like it is meant to be life or death. And like, even if it's silly, it's still like technically played seriously. Yeah. And in this case, it's sort of like, it's, even within the context of the movie, you 100% buy in that these are giant, like, you know, giant colossal kaiju monsters fighting each other. They're not fighting for their lives. They're not fighting no. for, like, true dominance. They're fighting because they're in each other's way yeah. and frustrated with each other. They're not even really trying to actually murder each right. other, you know? King Kong fucking hides behind a rock to punk Godzilla. Like, it's so that's, that's unserious. Really funny, yeah. <laughs> Like, in a good way. Yeah, that's such a good point. Honestly, the only... And we kind of mentioned this. The only thing that's really missing is just sort of, like, that sense of destruction and danger. But, like, I don't even know if it would have felt right in this particular fight. Like, it would have felt right for what Honda wanted to do. Like, the story he wanted to tell. But at the point where they're having this type of fight, you know... Yeah. We get a couple things. Like, we get that... um, There's, like, sort of a... I mean... Pardon my ignorance, but like sort of this sort of like temple-y looking building. Yeah. I have no idea what it mm-hmm. is or what purpose it serves, but like that was destroyed. And so like you get at least a little bit of destruction mm-hmm. here and there. But um, there are like I do. There's a thread of this movie of the irony of, you know, people being like being worried about like their, you know, the ratings or getting the publicity or like, you know, newspapers are, you know, capitalizing on Godzilla. So we need to have a monster to capitalize on it and not worrying about those respective monsters destroying everything in their wake. And that thread is there and that thread is never paid off. Like that's, I think that's like the core, unfortunately the core flaw of this movie that I think, you know, we already talked to death about that. It's just because of the, you know, competing forces between Honda's artistic vision and what Toho wanted. And that, that thread just never picked up on. It's sort of like, oh, they they don't realize that the monsters are going to wreak havoc and kill everyone. Well, they don't. It's actually fine. They yeah. have their big battle where there's no one around and then leave. And, and yeah. it doesn't matter. It's such <laughs> like, an odd <laughs> like point to get from like get to from Godzilla raids again, where I feel like the big thing that I'm left with yeah. is just like these everyday people who want nothing to do with these monsters and can't help being in the middle of everything. This is like the complete opposite. They're all like, I want more monsters and we don't give a shit. Like <laughs> literally so a child is like, I want to see Godzilla. Like, <laughs> yeah. Godzilla. It's like Godzilla. It's like they know, they know inherently that Godzilla is on his way back to Japan and, uh, uh, and on his way to Tokyo specifically, which is literally supposed to be 
be the horror. That's supposed to be yeah. the tension and of Godzilla. And everyone's like, well, now Godzilla's on magazines. We got Godzilla <laughs> Yaki in restaurants. There's that Godzilla movie that's coming out. Like everyone's excited to see our to see our guy. Like it's our it's our it's our new mascot. Like it's so absurd. It's it's, it's so absurd, which I you know, I love it. And and that's that's part of the satire, obviously. Yeah. It's just again, you know, once then once once Godzilla and Kong show up, it's sort of like well, the satire is gone because we are literally just watching the movie that we all wanted to see, which was Godzilla and Kong fighting each other. You know? Sure, sure. Yeah, I was surprised yeah. that, I mean, we talked about King Kong winning, um, but I was surprised that it it basically, I'm not surprised that it ends in such a way that there isn't like a you know nail in any yeah. coffin, but I was right. surprised that it does end with them just sort of like rolling into the water and going separate ways. And no one really getting any answers, right? Like King Kong just mm-hmm. sort of like swims off into the distance and they're like, all right, well, he probably wants to go home. We did give him kind of a hard time here. And then Godzilla's <laughs> just like under the water. Bones mm-hmm. Godzilla? <laughs> yeah, um, Kong, I mean, Kong did electrocute him, I guess. Maybe electrocuted him to bones. And yeah, now... what the fuck, dude? We didn't even talk about that. Like, I know yeah. we talked about uh, like the, the electrical wires and stuff, but the actual like... I guess he doesn't I think, wield it like a superpower necessarily, but it's kind of what it is. It's like his own sort of like uh, like shock power uh, that's kind yeah. of like incidental. <laughs> I think it's an artifact of the original like Frankenstein sure. idea. Like so probably, you know, the Frankenstein's monster would have gotten, you know, imbued with electricity or whatever. Yeah. And that just got translated onto Kong because like there isn't like, you know, cause I technically mean, Godzilla is more powerful than Kong. Yeah. How is he going to defeat Godzilla? He doesn't have atomic breath or yeah. whatever. So you give him electro power. He's an electro Kong now. Honestly um, shocked. It happened this early. That seems like such a modern thing to do to be like, kinda, all right, yeah. give whatever, who cares? Give King Kong like electric fists. Sure. Go for it. Like, I don't mm. know. <laughs> just, I don't know why it feels modern. Maybe cause it's just, is so much more absurd than the other two movies that we've watched from this era. Um, it's a big sci-fi jump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, with that. Yeah, for sure. But for sure. I could totally no, I see it being sense. a Frankenstein thing because like he's like he's like Godzilla has buried him and thinks he's dead and he gets struck by lightning and literally like sits up and is like, ha <laughs> You know, like it, it, it's it's right yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so funny. It's 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 like really bizarre and out of nowhere, but like I love it because it's like sure whatever. Like it feels very tokusatsu in, in in a in the in the more like TV tokusatsu kind of way. Yeah. if that makes sense, you know. Yeah, um, it's like sometimes things don't have to make sense as long as they're cool. And Electro Kong, cool as fuck, man. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah, and you know I can't can't not mention like the tree bit of Kong like literally shoving a tree in Godzilla's mouth, which if you look at our podcast cover art, I did have a guest artist do it Ooh. this time. Uh, this was Andy Vanderbilt did the art for this. You can find him uh, at AV artwork on Twitter and AV underscore artwork on Twitch. I'll plug all of his stuff in the show notes so you can find him. Definitely follow him for his really super cool artwork. There's a lot of really cool chonky Kaiju art that I love a lot. So awesome. Thanks for doing that art. Uh, Andy, that fucking rules. I didn't ask for a particular moment, but if you had to pick one, though, moment. if you had to pick one. one, you gotta have the fucking tree, man. It's so good. Yeah, but yeah, I it's yeah. I mean, there's so many like fun, just like weird little moments in uh, in that fight. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um. The only other thing that I had the U.S. cut. I know you didn't watch oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me about it. Um. I mean, it's the it's 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 worse. I mean, they kind of actually strip a lot of this. They can't inherently strip all the satire out of it because it's so obviously part of the plot, but they don't make it as broad and overt, right? Like, it is hmm. still 
the, the plot is the same in that it's still a TV station trying to take Kong or whatever. But like they do try to like minimize a lot of the jokes and try to just like cut as much as they can um, out mm. of it. And they do less. They don't they cut out a lot of the actual like referencing you know, people being excited about Godzilla being on magazines or whatever. It's more like we want to, and they reorder a lot of the scenes too. So it's like the, the Kong thing, the Godzilla kind of just shows up very early in the movie. Hmm. And as that's happening, bringing Kong is almost kind of a response to Godzilla being there um, rather than these things sort of happening simultaneously. Yeah. But the other, the other big thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh boy. Um, there are, there are things that there are new scenes that are filmed. Oh, um, that are basically sort of like in, basically meant to be sort of exposition. It's like this news broadcast from the United Nations, which I don't think is a thing that has ever happened yeah, what's in that? the history of the world. I don't know. It's basically like this sort of weird pseudo news broadcast. That's like, just is like the these whole Americans. movie meant to be like a broadcast, or are they just like sort of like interrupt they just sort the of story? In, in, they interrupt the gotcha, story gotcha. to explain things, and that also takes their time because they cut a lot of scenes out of character stuff because mm. they also want to get rid of some of the satirical tone. And then instead of having characters God. explain things, giving us they less of the these UN. characters, right? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, seriously, like literally, yes. Wow. And just sort of cut to the new end of these like reporters narrating what's happening, very seriously talking about monsters. Like the whole tone of the movie, it's like I think it makes it. It makes it worse in that it makes it feel like the the humor is not intentional at certain points. Mm-hmm. Like, you know how how the Japanese movie opens with sort of like that sort of weird clay earth? Yeah. And then it turns out <laughs> that it's like, oh, no, that's just from the TV show so in funny. the universe. It's so few, but in the in the U.S. movie, that's like really truly meant to be Earth. And oh, it opens no. with like a it opens with like a Hamlet quote that doesn't make any sense. Okay, it's so like they try to make it like really serious or whatever, and it's sort of like but the movie's funny though. Yeah, but not serious in the way that like it could have been by Ishiro Honda's right. like vision. Because- because they still have the monsters right. fighting in the same way. Like, that doesn't That's change. so funny. They take out both of my favorite, like, both of my favorite separate versions of the movie. It sounds like they sort of, like, took out or yeah, attempted yeah. to take out. Yeah, it's just sort of, you know, it just becomes very, like, middle of the road, um, you know, Hollywood movie, which it's still really fun. Like, I still, like, again, that was, like, the version that I had seen for the longest time, mm-hmm. and I still had a blast with it. Um, you know, it's just, you know, but th- then you get the Japanese version and like, oh, the satire is like much more apparent yeah. and, and more, you know, more hammered in, but also like these UN scenes are so fucking funny because there's like, they explain all about the berries. There's a point when they like, they like explain that like Godzilla's brain is the size of a marble, but Kong has like a thinking man's brain. And I'm like, why are you like brain shaming Godzilla right now? You remember the, the raise again, like the continuity of Godzilla is all fucked because yeah. They made Godzilla gigantic. So in this movie, like they call him Godzilla, but they're just sort of like, he's just some, you know, ancient uh, uh, reptile. They say reptile, reptile. Uh, from the from the Mesozoic era who was trapped in ice and breaks out. So they kind of like, you know, eliminate the continuity because the continuity already didn't exist. Easy enough. And they just call him Godzilla. Like, it, whatever. It doesn't fucking matter. Um, but they have the scientist in there that's like explaining what dinosaurs are. And he's using a children's book cool. to explain it. And it's like... Like Godzilla is a combination of a T-Rex and a Stegosaurus. And I'm like, first of all, why is there a guy, a scientist with a children's book explaining 
how Godzilla is a combination of two dinosaurs to me right now. It almost like it overly complicates it because you could you just tell people it's fucking Godzilla. Yeah. And he's some radioactive dinosaur. And that's all you need, especially in, in 1962. Like, you don't need anything more than that. But also, why did it kind of just blow my mind that uh, you could just call him a mix between a T-Rex and a Stegosaurus? And it, like, make makes perfect sense. It kind of makes sense. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can definitely see that. Yeah, sure. It works. I've literally never thought of Godzilla that way, but like... It's right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But I mean, the UN scenes, they're, they're not, they're boring, but like, they're also hilarious mm-hmm. because they're so s- stupid. Sure. Like they're so like, they try to be so serious, yeah. but then it's again, it's literally like a scientist with a children's book yeah. saying like reptile and Godzilla is a dinosaur. Like, okay, I, I guess you're an authority on the matter. Yeah. I almost wonder if like, not necessarily that I would think that the, uh, American version is like a better movie, but I do wonder if I would have gotten it more quickly than I got this one as like a whole package. You know what I mean? Maybe. Cause it yeah, sounds like yeah, it was maybe yeah. like goofy, not maybe not intentionally so, but like goofy right off the bat. Yeah. I mean, cause I mean, you watch it. It's just sort of like, this is so fucking, they're, they're trying to be serious, yeah. but like it's fucking dumb. Yeah. And this movie, you know, it's they, they, it, I wouldn't say that it's dumb because they are trying, they are being very intentional about, what they're doing, whether that's the satire or the more comedic stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, so the, the American movie, it is just sort of like laughing at an old movie, like not really knowing what they're doing. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's plenty of other differences in like the edits and, and, and the dubbing and stuff like that. But those are sort of like the main, the main things and the music being totally different too. Mm. Um, which is kind of tragic really Yeah, because the score of this movie is really good. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, anything else about King Kong versus Godzilla general, general feelings? Yeah. Like? I mean, I don't know that my feelings have like super duper changed um, necessarily. Like I still don't know that this movie's going to, you know, I mean, I haven't seen so many Godzilla movies, so this is a hard thing to say. I don't know that this is necessarily going to like rank very highly as one of my favorites, just because I feel like there's always going to be that sort of like weird discord uh, mm-hmm. between sort of the two different versions of this movie that I think could have been more successful had they been separate from each other. Plus, like, I can't lie. Like, it's really hard to get past everything on Faroe Island for me. There was, like, nothing on Faroe Island that I enjoyed. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, so you know, it's it's uh, it, it's it's still a little mixed for me, but the fun stuff is really fun. If it were just the fun stuff, you know, sure. uh, and you could excise some of the... <laughs> bad stuff I, I i would like it a lot more i think that's fair i, think that's fair. <laughs> I still really like this movie a yeah, lot i mean i get you know, it. it in spite in spite of the racism um i, I think it's I, I still think it's kind of fun as shit yeah. um but again i also have more experience with all the other movies and i do think that it's like i would be i would be curious after you've seen a lot more show era movies, especially, mm-hmm. and have sort of, I think maybe probably got more used to the vibe of it all and seen more and, and seen more examples of yeah. what they do with this tone. If you would feel differently returning to this movie after that. Potentially. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I'm obviously, I'm obviously open-minded about it. I, I, my guess would be that I'm kind of like, if not necessarily more into the movies after more immediately get the movies after. Cause like I said, mm-hmm. the doors open, right? Like yeah. you, you, they can just make sort of a, a kind of movie that goes whole hog on this tone if they want to. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And there's nothing to really like adjust to at that point. Yeah. Yeah. At least It'll that's sort of the prediction. I have no idea where it's going to go or how I'm going to feel. 
Yeah, yeah. I feel like ultimately this movie is like the way the Child's Play franchise went, where the first three are horror movies, uh-huh. and then the fourth movie, Bride of Chucky, is like, you know, many years after the previous one and is suddenly a, a dark comedy. And it ends up breathing such new life into that franchise that like couldn't sustain the horror of it for for much longer. And suddenly it's sort of like, yeah, we can be a dark comedy franchise and it actually fucking works and it's better. And they do. And then they do pivot back into horror eventually, too. You mm-hmm. know, I think that that's kind of what this movie is for Godzilla, where it's like playing around and sort of like, what if we just pivot? You know what? This kind of works in certain ways and people seem to like it. So we'll do this. And suddenly Godzilla is a giant franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and there's more opportunities to play both in the light and the dark as it as it goes along. Yeah. You know, for 70 years mm-hmm. after that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so next up, we got Mothra March happening. Woo. So we're going to have two episodes next month. So we're going to March 13th. We've got a special episode that's just about the solo uh, Mothra movie from 1961. We'll have a special guest with us. Hell yeah. That's going to be really hella fun. And then a couple weeks after that, on March 27th, we're going to have Mothra versus Godzilla from 1964. So some questions for you, some predictions for you. Uh-huh. For Mothra versus Godzilla, that's the movie that comes you know, directly after, yeah. after this one. Um, do you think that the that movie will acknowledge the events of this movie at all. I mean, I think so because, because I think the way they end this, it just feels like they're ready to keep making more Godzilla movies. Like Godzilla just Mm. falls into the water. Once again, no one checks. So there's no reason not to acknowledge it. I think it would actually be kind of weird not to acknowledge it. If only because like it, it wouldn't change anything to acknowledge the events of this although it's king kong they probably can't actually acknowledge king kong over and over and over again so it could be a continuation but i don't think i mean yeah i don't think they're ever going to mention king kong cool maybe they'll mention something vaguely but no mm-hmm. i don't think they're going to mention like, these events specifically godzilla's around and fighting a creature another like, battle yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, no yeah, yeah. more monsters although it's mothra <laughs> and i don't really know anything about mothra but uh, yeah it's something about just calling it like another monster seems disrespectful. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. I'm excited for you to meet Mothra. Mm -hmm. That's going to be great. You think any of these characters are going to appear ever again? in Any other Godzilla movie? I can't imagine. I mean, the only person that I think you would not, not that you would bring back, but like personality wise and presence wise, the only person you would bring back is taco, but taco is so specific to the events of this movie. It would be weird to bring him back. So no, I don't think so. That makes sense. Cool. Now I'm going a little bit backwards. Sure. Obviously Mothra vs. Godzilla is the next movie after this, uh-huh. but between this and Mothra vs. Godzilla, we are doing the solo Mothra movie, which I have not seen. Ooh. This is going to be my first time watching it. And as of this recording, I haven't watched it yet. Um, Good so thing I'm really we have excited a guest. to watch it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Very excited to record it um, and to watch it. So I, I don't know the answers to these questions either. Let's ponder together. Yeah, I mean, I know some, I know more than you do, because sure. just from generally, but I actually don't really know the exact answer to these questions, really. Um, do you think any kaiju other than Mothra appear in Mothra's first solo movie? I have no fucking clue, because, like, I truly don't know anything about Mothra other than, like, people love Mothra inside and outside of the universe, I think. So, like, I don't know what that means for a movie where yeah. Mothra is, like, like the sole character, the title right? character like yeah. i can understand 
if if my only understanding of Mothra is that like Mothra is good or beloved or whatever, like inside a universe, I can see a world where Godzilla and Mothra can can be in conflict because all you really have to do is make Godzilla a more destructive force or make Godzilla a little bit more villainous mm-hmm. for that one or in some way more antagonistic. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure what. I, I don't have enough of a concept of Mothra to know, like, yeah. what's she up to? Like, I, like just on her own. So I'm not. Am I getting that yeah. right, Mothra pronouns? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Um. So like that's how little I know, right? So yeah. I I guess what I should predict is that no, there's no other monsters, and that in some way Mothra is like a problem, but not necessarily a malevolent force. Sure. I would agree with you. I think that that's, I I actually don't genuinely don't know if there's any other Kaiju other than Mothra, but I do know that I think it's one of those things where it might be, it's a weird, it's a weird first appearance compared, compared to future movies where she's like, you know, more of like a, a good, good on on the good spectrum. I think maybe it's, I think she has like a monster that has to be dealt with, but I I don't know in what way. I don't think that she's going to be like, a villain in this movie right. or whatever in the way that some other kaiju like are, i wonder so. if it's more of a classic sci-fi problem mm-hmm. where it's just sort of right. like oh shit this thing happened and we got yeah, to save people but like it. how do we do that yeah yeah um yeah i mean my next question is gonna be any general guesses to like the plot or like vibe of mothra I no but idea. i don't know how to even answer that i know that it'll be fantasy bent in some way because mothra is always very fantasy bent. okay and That's i know fun. that ishiro honda ishiro honda directed mothra so i think that it will oh. be smart smart and good and i know that mothra is supposed to be a good movie so i'm excited about it i just don't really know what themes are really going to be dealt with in it cool um so i'm excited to find out yeah me too i'm stoked stoked to finally meet mothra hell yeah you're gonna love mothra <laughs> hell yeah cool cool well, thanks y'all for joining us and uh, joining us on the epic battle between King Kong and Godzilla. <laughs> if you'd like to find other queer creators who talk about media like this, you can check out the Glitterjaw Queer Podcast Collective at glitterjaw.com. You can follow it on Twitter, or Facebook, and Blue Sky at Glitterjaw and on Instagram at Glitterjaw Pods. Always tons of great stuff coming out. Um, there's like a Distant Echoes episode that I am on that I think will have either just I think just come out this week probably like the day or two before this episode drops and I'm on about the Clone Wars 2D episodes Um, Mixed Reviews just recently did their best of 2023 episode Um, and they were on uh, Are You My Mother for an episode about John Waters Serial Mom incredible fucking great I mean that's a great movie and what great guests to have on to talk John Waters and Kathleen Turner it's a really good conversation Mm -hmm. definitely check those out but for Doug, yeah. where can we find you and everything you're working on? You can find me all over the place at Ikibuli, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. And you can listen to me on one of those Glitter Jaw shows called Novel Gaming, uh, where my co-host Katie and I talk about all the books, video games, and sometimes other media we have been consuming lately. A lot of times those look like a book club or a video game club, but just so you know, even though an episode is dedicated to a book or a game, we always do some catching up about other media before that. So never be turned off by an episode because you haven't read the book or something like that. Also, we may have dabbled in some streaming recently, uh, depending on when you're listening to this. So uh, check out my Twitch at uh, twitch.tv slash to see what novel gaming got up to. 
Oh, that rules. Yeah, what about you, Derek? You can find me uh, most active on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. I'm on other platforms under, either under that name or Dare Bear or Mr. Dare Bear. I have another podcast with Glitterjaw called Gimmicks where my co-host David and I look at the high-concept, experimental, structure-breaking, gimmicky episodes of TV. Um, I also have another podcast to do with Doug called Walloping Web Snappers Ooh. where we look at every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. Uh, and I also have a new podcast called Lee Carvalho's Potting Channel. Challenge, which is a Simpsons gaming podcast where uh, my co-host Tommy and I are going through every Simpsons tie-in video game ever made chronologically. And if you're into Tokusatsu like Godzilla, I have a new episode of our of uh, Tokusatsu Thursdays coming up this coming Thursday as of this episode drop on the 15th. Um, that is a show I do with my friend Chris on his Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash sci-fi explosion. And it's just a whole bunch of uh, random Tokusatsu episodes uh, along with Toku themed commercials and clips. It's a combination of stuff you are probably familiar with with stuff you you are probably not familiar with unless you're like a hardcore <laughs> toku nerd um we have some really cool i'm really excited about the one that's coming up uh this week because we have some really co- cool weird finds and like some of my favorite commercials that we've uh that we've ever found that are that are going to be streaming there so <laughs> definitely check that out also join our patreon at patreon.com slash walloping web snappers that's of course the patreon for our spider-man show but we do uh that that is what supports everything that doug and i do together um and we do have some godzilla related bonus things coming out i know we have one yeah. uh episode about that we're going to be doing that's godzilla mad libs I'm coming so out later excited this month. to see how that goes <laughs> it's exactly what it sounds like we haven't recorded it yet so i don't know how it's going to go but i'm sure it will be fun how could you go wrong with mad libs that are godzilla themed because that's what we're going to be doing so uh check out our patreon for as little as one dollar a month to have access to those bonus episodes uh waffle web snappers also has a discord and we do have a screonk channel for that so link to that's in the show notes you can email us any questions or corrections at screonk podcast at gmail.com of course since uh we're a monthly podcast it's very helpful to rate review and subscribe to us on any podcast platform you use and of course next week we are beginning mothra march i'm so excited because we're starting with the queen's very first appearance (laughs) in 1961's mothra yes 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 see you then